Monday, April 30th, 2018, day 466 of the Donald Trump Drain the Swamp presidency and day 348 of the Obstructionist Special Counsel, also known as Robert Bob, Bob, Bubba Mueller, uh, just uh, causing a lot of uh, problems there with respect to obstructing the Donald Trump agenda. This is a show you're not going to want to miss, the Hagman Report. This is a historic show bottom of the hour diamond and silk going to absolutely unload absolutely unload about uh, the uh, testimony they gave in front of congress exclusive interview with the hagman report by diamond and silk followed by uh we have randall terry coming on a lot of information there and of course rounding it out uh, peter barry chocolate so you're not going to want to miss a minute of tonight's show tell others about uh, about this show and uh, spread the show on social networking wherever you can spread it. Spread tonight's show. This is an incredibly important program. Uh, a number of things to get into, not not the least of which I covered this this morning, and I also want to mention this. Remember I said Syria? That's the flashpoint for a third world war. Now the things are happening with Syria. Before we get into the tonight's program, I want to just, men, I want to talk to you guys. I want to talk to the guys out there. It, you know, it's amazing uh, about us guys, we've got we got things to deal with, don't we? We've got hair loss, we've got uh, a number of issues, um, uh, skin care, sexual wellness, especially as you age. Have I got a website for you? Forhims.com. That's for f o r h i m s dot com slash h h. Guys, take my word for this. You want something? You want like a concierge doctor? You can afford it. That's a, this is the way I look at it. Maybe that's not it's how it's how it's described, but this is the way I look at it. You know, when you look at when you when you consider the fact that uh, around sixty six percent of men lose begin losing their hair or lose their hair by age thirty five. You know, when you start to notice the hair loss, it's usually too late. It's a real stat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's easier to keep your hair than to replace the hair you've lost. And you look at yourself in the mirror. Is your hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Any bald spot yet? Yet? Well, how will you feel a year from now if it's business as usual up there? I ask you, do you want a bald spot to pop up or do you want something, to, or do you want to do something about it first? I prefer to do something about it first. I got a solution for you. Guys, guys, listen to me. For hymns. Dot com. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. You know, look, thanks to science, baldness uh, and other associated problems can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors, medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other issues, well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair, for example. This is no snake oil, pills, gas station counter supplements, that kind of thing. No. Prescription solutions 
backed by science. No waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. You can save hours by going to 4 It's so easy. All you got to do is answer a few quick questions. The doctor will review and, and can prescribe you whatever you might need. Products are shipped directly to your door. Look, I, I know some, I know people, I know people who use this service extremely satisfied with 4 Uh, if you, if you want to know the truth, okay, I've got a good friend, lives down in Meadville, Pennsylvania. I, you know what? It's about 30 miles away from me. He heard this on our show and he tried it. He had two issues going on simultaneously. Took care of both and it's a happy camper. That was about two months ago. So, Here's what I want you to do. Our listeners can get a trial month of four hymns for just five dollars. Five bucks. That's it today, right now, while supplies last. You've got to see the website for full details. Now this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So folks, go to fourhymns.com slash h h that is f o r h i m s dot com slash h h fourhymns.com slash h h You'll thank me later. Remember that? Remember that show, Monk? You'll thank me later. Anyway, uh, again, a lot of things happening in the news. You've got Syria taking front and center on the, on the, uh, war stage, on the, on the, uh, world stage. Israel, Israel launching an attack this weekend. I want to thank Maria Canise, by the way. What a great, she's the author of Prepare for Persecution and a number of other books. If you, if you, by the way, if you don't have Prepare for Persecution, Go to Amazon, order that. It, it is so relevant today. I was, uh, I was humbled by the ability to do the forward, write the forward for that book, Prepare for Persecution. It's a great book. Grab it. Marie Canise, the author of Prepare for Persecution. But we were, uh, she, she was actually sending me live updates watching the Syrian situation unfold. And I saw a video. I don't know how many people saw the video out there. Is it possible? I ask you. Is it possible that a tactical nuke could have been used? I'm asking this. I don't know. I don't know either, but that's a speculation out there. Okay. Okay. Because Some people were saying, yes, it has the uh, footprint of such a weapon. But I haven't seen the pictures. There are videos of a strike in Syria last night. It doesn't look like a mushroom cloud. It looks like a big explosion. Well, the one I saw did look like a mushroom cloud. It, it was dark, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. but it, it did. So, and, and I understand. I've seen conventional explosions that take the form of a mushroom cloud shape, but keep your eyes on this. And Iran lied. Now, that's the thing. Uh, Netanyahu came out today and did a presentation. In fact, he's depicted in uh, one of the Israeli newspapers' websites. A big sign. Iran lied. Yeah. And, and it, it, look, you know, when you look back at what Obama did, the pallets of cash, and what haunts me, and I just want to say this because in speaking with people like Dr. Jerome, Dr. Jerome, of course, his book, Nuclear Iran, huh, have you guys read that? Uh, it's, it's probably, I don't know, eight years old, but it's so relevant even today. Uh, reading that and going over that again, way ahead of the curve. And then, of course, you have Obama, what he did with the Iranians. And the, uh, Jarrett, by the way. Oh. Liberty Daily has a better image. What Drudge should have up. It has Netanyahu standing from in front of an image of a Barack Obama tweet, which was from September 3rd, 2015. 
Under the Iran deal, Iran can't build the secret nuclear weapon. Then the caption under it reads, Israelis Netanyahu provides evidence Iran lied, cheated, and deceived on Obamacare nuke deal. U.S. official confirms it's true. Also, unrelated, there's a, a piece in the Drudge Report. Oil hedge fund manager says the price per barrel could go up to $300. Now, I'm going to put that on the, the side burner <clears throat> while we talk about what happened in Syria. Yesterday, there was there's anywhere between 11 to 26 reported dead in an airstrike that is unconfirmed that Israel had done it, but they are not denying it. Now, um, they hit a missile depot, a weapons depot in Syria, north of the Aleppo-Damascus International Airport. And they are, both countries are now threatening that this war could reach either soil if the tensions continue or increase. Now, Mike Pompeo visited Netanyahu and met with him yesterday, and I'm wondering what bearing, if any, that had on the, one, the announcement today, and the uh, strikes that we saw in Syria overnight. Obviously, they've reached some sort of understanding. Otherwise, we would not be seeing this type of escalation and violence or the, uh, you know, the presentation. Some are saying that what Netanyahu did just rehashed old information. And, and I'm reading that there were a number of computer files that he showcased that depicted a secret Iranian nuclear project showing more than a 100,000 Iranian documents that Israel obtained to prove the nuclear deal is based on lies. And it, this article goes on to say, the speech comes on the heels of a strike against two bases in Syria ahead of Trump's decision on nuclear deals. So there is a lot at play here with the timing um, of what we see going on. So, right. And also Iran said that they're, they're not ready to enter or to continue in this nuclear deal, regardless if the U.S. is involved in it or not, whatever that whatever that's worth. Well... I think it's worth, look, look, you've got, first of all, you've got the Russians. Look at the timeline of things. You've got the Russians. Uh, let, let me, let me pull up my notes. Uh, I take, I, I like, I like notes, uh, on paper here. I've got it on the computer, but, uh, and, and I want to thank Maria Canese for, for assisting me on this, but, uh, you've got, uh, the, you've got the Russians. Saying that you know what we're not going to, uh, or we're cutting off. They're, they're they've cut off radio communications, and I'm I'm trying to find this. The Russians are 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 preparing for war, and this could pit the the Russians and, and the U.S. And you know it's it's amazing that that Obama received a Nobel Peace Prize. Yes. Okay, for ten his days presidency. into his presidency, basically. Yeah, and so okay, but what do we see? What do we see taking place right now? You see, the Korean Peninsula. You see, something's calming down there. Is is that a yeah a, kind of a weird thing? Uh, look, I don't know, but at least under 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 uh, Donald Trump, there are things that are moving apparently in a forward progression. But what a cluster mm-hmm. that Obama left Donald Trump with respect to Iran. Empowering Iran and their, yeah. and their nuclear ambitions as well as, uh, giving them hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money, literally delivering pallets of cash via plane to their country. It, it's crazy, but the yeah. North Korea thing, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that separately because, uh, many people are saying that President Trump deserves the Nobel Peace Prize. And I'd have to disagree with that just at least until the deal is done 
but it's definitely uh, something, a change of pace, something much different than we've seen uh, through any of the last administrations. And one of the things I'm hearing on conservative radio that seems to be the biggest concern for people out there with this deal is that they think somehow that Kim Jong-un is playing everybody and is going to, uh, you know, somehow, this is a trap somehow. But really, that only makes sense up to a certain point because, uh, you know, they have everything to lose, not the rest of the world, not even South Korea. North Korea has everything to lose. And I just don't see, um, I just don't see how that, how that would look if, if there's something secretly going on with Kim Jong-un. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that, uh, you know, he, he wants a certain amount of attention and, and notoriety on the, in the world stage. And as long as he's allowed to continue to remain the leader there and nobody's going to invade him, as he said over the weekend, I think he's content with that. As we've seen a dramatic about face with his attitude towards the United States and towards denuclearization. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And I wouldn't give Trump the peace prize just yet. Uh, but you know, definitely. But I'll tell you what, the South Korean right president, uh, Moon Jae-in, yep. saying, Donald Trump should win the uh, Nobel Peace Prize. Well, and I agree. Once so, the once the once armistice done, is yeah. signed into a peace deal, yep, and uh, everything's finalized, then we can get into the yep. awards. But not until then. Well, but definitely a step in the right direction. Well, yeah, indeed. So you've got, but uh, just watch the flashpoint, and that the flashpoint, of course, being the Syrian, uh, the, the entire nation of Syria. And again, a 2.6 magnitude earthquake after the missile strike or after the strike on the uh, Iranian uh, missile depot. And by the way, what what is Iran doing with with a missile depot or a munitions depot, missile slash munitions depot in southern the, the southern Syria? Okay, is that Iran? Is Iran. it the Syrian government? Is it no? Based on everything that, that I've seen, it's 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 a wholly owned piece of. Okay. Uh, piece of Iranian. It may not. It might be Syrian real estate, but it's Iranian munitions. It's Iranian working uh, work. And as a matter of fact, there were fifty to a hundred Iranians that were reportedly killed in this missile strike. So in southern Syria, that's so we, we look. We've got to be really careful and cautious. We've got to watch this. So that's yeah. that's that. Uh, um, you know, you've, you've got that. And of course, as I had mentioned earlier too, you've got not, not just, uh, the world stage with, with all of this, but you've got the, um, uh, we, we are now, what, a few weeks out from, uh, what I believe will be the IG report coming out. I'm still looking at that. And by the way, I, I was looking at, with Dr. Corsi, uh, over some Q and on posts and look, you know, I know how people feel about this. And, about QAnon, but I, I look, I, I think people should really kind of take a look at what QAnon is posting. And before Washington, I had some really big questions about the validity and authenticity of Q. Post Washington and post the visit with Dr. Corsi and speaking with Dr. Corsi and some of the things I learned there, you know, I've, I've got to say that I'm looking more toward a um this being a legitimate outsourcing of information now now those words that I said it that very careful outsourcing of information that is meant to be spread okay think about this and I met some people at Canton, Ohio who asked me the same question and people saying you know what I believe it's, it, it to be true but regardless I think the reaction from the queue 
uh, postings or what that has done in terms of red-pilling a, a large portion of, of the society. I think it's important to really understand. Speaking of red-pilling, uh, if you go to our website, HagmanReport.com, by the way, folks, bookmark HagmanReport.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel while you still can. Subscribe to our social networking feeds, again, while you still can. Some great original pieces from uh, yeah. Peter Chalk out there yep. today. Yep. As well yep. as uh, you got a piece up there about... Yep. Our upcoming interview next section. Yep. We got some Stephen Menking stuff, Dane Wigington, and more. And then but, we uh, got the curated news. But the Red Pill Expo. Redpillexpo.org. Org. Go to HagmanReport.org, click on the Red Pill Expo link. And if you use Hagman in the promo code, hey, 15% off. And that includes not just tickets for the July 21, 22, and 23 event, but also for the live streaming. So 15% off. You can't beat that. Let's pack the, pack the place up at Red Pill Expo in Spokane, Washington, June 21, 22, and 23. Let's pack it in. Let's, let's make, let's, let's, I mean, some of the guests there, man, are gonna, just gonna knock the, uh, knock the walls out. So there you have it. So, uh, again, bookmark, please, bookmark HagmanReport.com as well as follow, subscribe on our, our uh, YouTube channel. I've gotten emails saying, you know what? I'm not getting any notices from you. BTR the same. It's the censorship, which I mean, it's look at me talking about the bottom of the hour. It's still there. It's still there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The shadow banning yeah. and everything else. Yep. So, um, so all of that. No. Uh, take it. Uh, we, we've got Joe, you got, you got, where do you, where do you want to go from here? You've got numerous well, potential uh, here. You got let's look at some of the curated news up on, on Hagman report. Yeah, that's good. Um, Okay, so you got some stuff on the North and South Korea, uh, just to, to bring people up to date on that. I know we mentioned it already, but Kim Jong Un of the, in, of South, North Korea and the president of South Korea met and they're, they're going to have more meetings and, and they agreed upon, uh, denuclearization. They agreed upon, uh, a, a lot of things. Also turning the arm, the war document that has never been, uh, Shut down or taken away the armistice of what 1955, 56, 53, I don't remember. But that's been in place for a long time and they want to turn it into a peace treaty. And this is really important, but at the same time we're talking about the de-escalation of, of violence in North Korea. We're seeing an increased escalation in the Middle East and also with Iran and Israel. And that's something that we're going to continue to keep our eyes on because it seems like it's a, uh, a situation that something has just changed in the last 24 hours. Also, James Comey, is still in the news and there are a number of interesting reports and new information not only about uh, Comey and, and lying the Clapper and lying but also uh, Louis Gomer. there's a piece I put up on Hagman Report about the Mueller investigation and I'm glad finally somebody uh, finally detailed this in an article and it talks about Louis Gomert and how he's been calling out Robert Mueller in a lengthy report published on the former FBI director's problematic past and this goes to lay out uh, facts and information from the Boston Marathon bombing to a number of other legal legal um, disasters that Robert Mueller has been involved in. And the article is titled, He Destroys People. Louis Gomert Demands Mueller Resign in Report on Bureaucrats' Problematic Past. And there's going to be more information about that coming out. So keep your eyes on that, as it's very important as new information about the, the Strauch page text messages that came out earlier last week or later last week have, were, were kind of glossed over by uh, other news. 
also these other reports and James Comey as he continues uh, on his uh, you know denying being a leaker and on his book tour and he's getting he's digging himself in in a, in a legal hole each leaky, interview uh, that he Comey Clapper and uh, Brennan leaky squeaky and geeky yeah it's uh or leaky squeaky and creepy but uh there's know. a lot coming out of and I even saw a one of the liberal judges calling out Clapper saying yes he he was a leaker and yes he did lie under oath and that was on uh, Drudge earlier today. So there's a lot of stuff coming out uh, pertaining to the Trump-Russia investigation, specifically about Robert Mueller and where the investigation is going from here. Also, we have the uh, immigration caravan that has made its way to the United States border. And this is what baffles me when I was reading these articles today. As these Where's people the National Guard? Why are they being able to, to allow to uh, climb the fence and come over? I read some of the uh, caravan broke up and, and came in, tried to come in through different entry points from Tijuana uh, through California. So that would be California. You have people being let in, about 50 per day at certain entry points. Others are being turned away. But apparently a lot of these people are, are being able to make their way into the country. And you have conflicting reports about what's really happening down there as the mainstream media networks are trying to uh, turn this around into a propaganda piece saying all oh, these people are being denied they're going to go back home and be slaughtered and we know the media tricks they, they'll take one or two people who are part of this caravan either pregnant or with a very small child saying why are you coming over why are you coming over ignoring the the hordes of other people who are, who are there for nefarious reasons but why are these people being allowed to cross why are we seeing pictures of them hopping border fences what did the national guard get sent down there for what is this huge uh media presence do, I mean, what's the point of all this if we're not going to see the enforcement here? Um, and that's my I, biggest I, I, problem I think with it's, this. I, I think it's California. I think it's Governor Brown. I think it's the lack. Look, this is an assault on our uh, uh, borders, an assault on our country, and we've got to we've got to make we, this has got to stop. By the way, uh, a lot of things again, just to, to kind of in the White House the correspondence oh, center too was what, big what, headlines over what, the weekend. Yeah. And by the way, did you know the White House Correspondence Center? Did you know that David Hogg was there? No. Yeah, he so. attended the White House Correspondence Center. Well, he's a future with, Anderson uh, Cooper, uh, so who cares? Well, exactly. 18-year-old man, you know, 18-year-old young man, uh, attended the White House Correspondence Center. But by the way, that, uh, that, that, uh, comedian, what a disgrace she was. Hogg will probably frontline the, the speech next year. Uh, you know, they, they've got to pull the plug on that whole thing. Um, this uh yeah uh, it's, it was bad uh, man now uh, as i said earlier i'm not going to name the comedian because she's just a okay well many people don't know who she is uh, her name is michelle wolf she yeah, is we'll a see comedy central uh what, what's that show that i John put her, stewart used to host I, I put her up there with samantha b as far as being yeah. a, a, an insult to all humanity but she um i can't remember the show i'll i'll get it here but she's a relatively unknown. I think the most fame as well she, she should be is a, a viral clip of election night when everybody found out that Donald Trump was going to win and they were showing all these different people's responses. She's the voice. If you haven't seen the video, she's the voice who said, get your abortions now. I believe that was the same one right in those clips. But that was her real claim to fame, that and her TV show on Comedy Central. And she has a new one she's getting on Netflix on the 27th of May. Maybe. She, maybe now, right? Maybe not. After, after that, that, uh. A lot of people had a problem with it. And um, a lot, I didn't see the whole 20 minute 
comedy routine she did. I did, and I can't get those minutes back from my life. Let me tell you something, all right? You know, to to celebrate abortion, yeah. I think it speaks to, it speaks to the moral rot or the rot to our morality, yeah. our culture, and the fact that that uh, when you when you can joke about abortion, that that to me is over the, beyond the pale. And of course, what she did to uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and and if I were Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I would have left. I would have walked out yeah. of that piece of garbage place. Why was she there anyway? I mean. Did she have to attend? Or is that a choice well, she made? The president uh, didn't attend. Yeah, I know, but there's there's some tradition involved in that, and there's, you know, you would think that they would, um, the leftist, liberal, communist, progressive idiots, the the the, the communists. Uh, of course, what do you expect from communists and socialists? I guess. Well, that's that's right. Got. And listening to people who have attended these things in years past with with past presidents and whatnot, have said that this has gotten so far out of hand, and really what is interesting to me is since the 2016 election since those you know the attacks really got ratcheted up based on political lines between our own c- civilians and voters in this country we've seen this kind of uh, just huge divide that has gotten so bad and this correspondence dinner is a great example of why this continues and how this continues and it's along ideological lines and I can't say enough that it's a spiritual battle at its root you have people who are trying to work towards the betterment of the country, toward a more free market economy, more jobs, uh, better quality of life for everybody. And then you have these people who are trying uh, to redistribute all the wealth, to, to put government in control over the free market, take over the health care system, and do things like make abortion, saying it's a women's reproductive health right, even though that doesn't make sense, trying to take guns away. And this is leading to divide along political and ideological lines and that's what we're seeing we know which where each side is what each side is on and the liberal political entertainment establishment is to the way left and as long as they're in control they're going to continue with these correspondence dinners and and award shows they're going to be full of this political garbage that we see and this is how it's going to continue as long as trump's in office Coming up, Diamond and Silk. Stay right where you're at. Buckle in. Buckle up. Get ready. You ain't going to want to miss this. Grab a friend. Grab a neighbor. Bring him into the room. Wow, you got to watch and hear this. Diamond and Silk up next. Stay right where you're at. HagmanReport.com. That's where we go. We broadcast live each and every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Also, BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio, and YouTube Live. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, the two most popular, hottest sens- sensations, Internet sensations on the planet today, 
uh, two ladies known as uh, Diamond and Silk, Lynette Hardaway and Rochelle Richardson. Uh, i got to tell you, they testified before Congress on Thursday, April 26th, last Thursday, and they created a firestorm. Uh, they testified, they were invited, they testified under oath about the censorship problem and about uh, a number of other issues laying out the foundation that we all face. I want to welcome, very special welcome to the program, Diamond and Silk. Welcome to the Hagman Report. Oh, thank you. Thank you for, thank having, you for us. having us. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, really, you, 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 both of you are, again, the hottest uh, items on the planet today. You are so important to the pro-Donald Trump movement. You are so important to the uh, issue of censorship. You have, you have said, you said so much. You put so much into the congressional record last Thursday. L- let's start out by asking, uh, how did, how, did, how was it that you came about to be invited to the House Judiciary Committee as witnesses in the wake of Mark Zuckerberg and, and everyone else that testified? How'd that come about? Well, after Mark Zuckerberg testified, I guess they wanted to hear the other side of it. Somebody reached out to us, and uh, we accepted the invitation to go and lay out our facts. Mm-hmm. That's what we thought we were going up there to do right. about censorship, especially censorship on conservative voices. Okay, and, and so, so you, were, you accepted the invitation. Now, I noticed that you were you were under oath. Why were you under oath as opposed to Mark Zuckerberg, who, you know, is a multi-gazillionaire, runs Facebook, and what was the difference? What, uh, what, why were you under oath and why wasn't he? Do you know the answer to that question? We have no idea. You know, we looked at that. You have Mark Zuckerberg, which took our data, mm-hmm. sold it to the highest bidder, mm-hmm. gave our data away or whatever. He wasn't under oath. You even have people like Hillary Clinton. They're not under oath. That's right. But then you take two African-American females yes. that don't even match the status of what these here two match. That's right. But they put us under oath like we some type of common criminal. Uh-huh. So we saw that. Yeah. And you know what? It's very sad how this Congress treats the American people, yet they work for the American people. They're That's supposed right. to. And the American people, they're paid by the American people tax dollars. So I hope the world sees it. That's right. And it's very easy to tell the truth when you don't have nothing to hide. That's right. Amen to that. Okay. All right. Now, your testimony included, obviously, the issue of your popularity and you outlining the accomplishments of President Donald Trump. Uh, and for that, obviously, you've been spanked by the social media networks, by the snakes of the social media's uh, platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, whoever. Um, to what extent have you been censored? Let's start there. Okay. Let's give you the ways that we've been censored. Yeah. So when you like and follow a page or any branding page, you are supposed to receive notification when they drop content. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to receive, we, we, we will come up in your news feed. Right. That's when you like and you follow a page. Well, we had back then 1.2 million followers mm-hmm. that liked and follow our page that was not receiving our content, was not receiving notifications, was not, we were not coming up in their news feed. Mm-hmm. When they would like our page, they were mysteriously unlike from our page. Right. Okay. They also put a notice on our page limiting, letting them know that that we have been restricted, but we didn't know why. So we went back and forth with Facebook for six months, 29 days, five hours, 40 minutes and 43 seconds, right, right? with Mm -hmm. Facebook. 
Okay, and they couldn't give us an answer as to why these limits was placed on our page. That's right. And why we were being censored. That's right. And when we were back and forth with Facebook, we called it just like it was. You're censoring us. This is suppression. But they could not give us a reason. Not all of a sudden, uh, Mark Zuckerberg want to say this was an error. Hmm. Uh, yeah, for six months. Huh. So we've been going back and forth with you. That's right. So people, and then people, when they come to our page, when they would go and try to search our page mm-hmm. and come to our page, the content wasn't coming up. That's right. So they were, it was like we were taken down. That's right. Okay? Because they couldn't see our stuff, yet we could see our stuff. That's right. And our, and our page reach used to reach anywhere from 5 to 10 million people. Now it only reached, what, a little bit over six or 700,000 per week. When they started censoring That's us. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. People cannot even like some of our posts, can't even comment on some of our posts. Um, sometimes our posts come up to them as spam. Right. Um, so, uh, Facebook is now have a question going around. Did you really like Diamond and Silk Page? There's a lot of different forms of censorship that is really going on, uh, with Facebook, with YouTube, and other different, uh, uh, social media platforms. Even down to shadow banning. Whenever we post something, but it only allows a few people to be seen. At this time, we have over 1.6 million followers and only six people see a particular post. And it's called, it's censorship whenever you take and put, place algorithms in place in order to censor certain wordings within that particular post. Right. Keep in mind that we do not take and, and, uh, uh, solicit our page to people. People come to our page and they like our particular page because they want to see our content. But when you don't allow those people, those 1.6 million people to see our posts, our comments, our page, etc., you're also censoring and blocking them from seeing our page. Right. So that's another form of censorship. Mm-hmm. Let me let me ask you this: the uh, battle that you've been dealing with with Facebook for the six months. After that six month time period, that's when they labeled your page dangerous, unsafe for the community. April the fifth, after the six months, twenty nine days, five hours, forty minutes, and forty three seconds. Okay, April the fifth, they came back and they deemed our brand and content unsafe to the community. Well, Diamond and Silk is a brand. We are human beings. We're not a plate. We're not a cup. We are two human beings. Right. So when you talk about the brand, you're talking about two African-American women. Yeah. That's the number one thing, okay? So we went back and forth, and then they told us it was not appealable. That means we can go back and forth no more because it wasn't appealable. There right. was nothing we can do. That's so right. then we put it out on social media as to exactly what they had said. Yeah. And keep in mind, with us going back and forth, they gave us excuses. We're going to put it here. We're going to send it there. The tech team is going to do this. Well, this is the problem. Well, that is the problem. They just continue to give us bogus information, yet they kept that little red sign up there stating that our page was limited, only to find out in January of 2018 that they never sent our information to nobody. To no higher To no higher right. ups. That's right. They had kept pulling our strings. So imagine, just imagine this here, that if we didn't have the voices up there in a Ted Cruz, that's uh, right. Tim, uh, uh, Tim Scott, Senator yeah. Tim Scott, yeah. um, um, these Marsha Blackburn, yeah. some of these congressmen you and can't women, even name them, but to 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 speak all of them about yeah. what was going on, this would have been it. Right. You wouldn't have. You Diamond and Silk would have slowly just been diminished. Right. Well, you really wouldn't have heard our voices. And we thank God for that. And we also thank God for going on some of these platforms where we can let people know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Or it wouldn't have never been brought to the light. 
Right. And I'm glad that this was brought to the light because we found out it's not just happening to us. Right. It's happening to so many conservative voices where they're being shadow banned, their pages are being taken down, mm-hmm. their pages are being deleted, um, their pages are being hacked into where somebody else have it and Facebook won't help them. There's a lot of things going on that needs to be brought to light. That's and this right. playing field has got to be even across the board. You can't be okay with some ideas and not all. All ideas. That's right. Okay? Social media is about all ideas, so you have to let all ideas be heard. That's right. This is about your First Amendment right. This is about everyone's First Amendment right. And and I'll just say this. You speak for the multitudes of people out there who are in the same position but don't have the voice that you have. And congratulations and thank you so much for appearing before Congress and saying this is how it is. To the and I got to tell you they're pretty thick up there to really you know get it through their head. Now have you has your Facebook uh, have you been restored at this point? Have you been unbanned, uh, rendered safe again to the community? Okay, so let me tell you this here. They have removed some of the algorithms. We have noticed that. We see some engagement. We have noticed that. But keep in mind, we have 1.6 million, million. followers. Okay, That's right. okay. So when we drop content, that needs to get to those 1.6 million followers. You know why? Because Facebook said, if you like and you follow a page, you're going to receive their content and, and, and we're going to come up in your news feed. Mm-hmm. That's what needs to happen. Not only that, but to anybody else that has a brand page. Right. You know, Facebook, you can't change the rules in the middle of the game. And that's what it looks like they're trying to do. You have people that have spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to build up their brand pages and their businesses. Mm-hmm. And for Facebook to say, okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do after an election. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do is we're going to tell you what we want you to see in your news feed, more of your family and friends. Even though you, those family, those friends or mm-hmm. those people have liked brand pages, that's not fair. Now what you're trying to do is you're trying to dictate to people what they can and cannot see. And to me, that's a form of censorship. Right. Because in your rules you said, oh, if you like this, you're going to be able to see this. Now you're telling me, oh, well, no, we're going to make a decision on what you can and cannot That's right. see. That's a problem. And, and allow me to also elaborate that for the Diamond and Silk brand page, that once we brought this here to light about Facebook, they did remove some of those algorithms. We was able to drop a video that was able to garner over a million views within that day or, or a day and a half. Mm-hmm. It was able to finally garner over a million views. We had previously dropped that video a month prior, and it only got about 34,000 views, and that was it. Right. So see the difference? But as of today's date, right now, as we speak to you, our reach is back down. Everything has plummeted back down flatline. It's like they're they're putting the restrictions on whenever they want to and removing it, and that's still a form of censorship. Right. Okay. okay. To, to what end? And th- to me, this is critical because the oppression of of speech and thought, the censorship issue. What's what's the objective here? Is it just to silence the conservative voices, the pro-Trump, the pro-constitutional voices like yours, or do you? Th- Think as some uh, some news sites say. Well, it's across the board. Liberals and progressives they get censored too. Your thoughts? I really think that this is silencing conservative voices. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest because I don't hear a lot of liberals complaining, right. but it's a lot. Yeah, yeah no liberals. But, but- 
But let me let us just be real here. Mm-hmm. The objective is to win an election. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have very deep in the settings of Facebook on your personal pages where where Mark Zuckerberg have it placed underneath your categories, your political affiliation. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't even know about this until we brought it to light the other day. So with them having that, that setting there that you can't change, that you can't update, or can't correct, that means Facebook controls what you see in the political spectrum, mm-hmm. okay? With that said, and them being able to control what you see, Whenever a conservative sponsor or a conservative individual drop their content, if they have you labeled as liberal, very liberal, or whatever they want to have you labeled as, they can let you see only what they want you to see. Those algorithms kick in where conservative, you you won't get out to those places because your page is deemed liberal or very liberal, so you will only see liberal or very liberal content. Mm -hmm. They have our page, Diamond and Silk page, our profile deemed as very liberal. And you know we've been conservative, okay? We've been Republican. But here is the kicker. What do Facebook, our political affiliation, what do our political affiliation have to do with Facebook, which is a social media platform? Right. So the deal is they know that we won this last election by the people, by we the people, through social media. Mm -hmm. And with them now knowing that, this is the reason why they want to silence conservative voice, conservative advertisement, political, anybody that is conservative and they're a politician or what have you. This is why they shut their page down with no explanation, mm-hmm. tell them it's not appealable, so mm-hmm. you can't go back and forth. And if this is supposed to be a platform for all voices, algorithms should not be put in place to censor some voices. That's right. Very well stated. And going back to the hearing, the testimony that you provided on April 26th, uh, let me just continue on because there's so much, so many issues, hot button issues here. The censorship factor, but the, the, the way, in my view, the way you were treated, in, especially by, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, who, uh, appeared to want to set you up, number one, with the timeline, and number two, with the FEC, the, the, the money aspect of things, to me was uh, just in, incredible to watch. So let me address, first of all, uh, the question that she had about a reimbursement of $1,274.94, which she appeared to indicate that that to you was income from the, the Donald Trump campaign, when in fact it wasn't. Can you talk about that accusation of, of, of being paid by the Donald Trump campaign? We were never paid never by paid. the Donald Trump campaign. That one thousand two hundred some odd dollars that they're talking about was a reimbursement for flights. Period. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing that I can say about it because that's what it is. Period. But you had those congressmen and congresswomen wanting to take and try to change the narrative about a one thousand two hundred some dollar reimbursement. But what about the millions of dollars that they've been paid? Mm-hmm. What about the hush money that they've been paid? To, 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 to hush up on the American people. Allegedly. And to, allegedly, mm-hmm. and to throw the American people under the bus. That's right. See, we should have probably pulled out those FEC, FEC reports and talked about the money that they've been paid to sit up there and do nothing by all of these, what, political hacks. By That's the right. people that, that they're donors. Yeah. And, 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 and what do you call those people? They're lobbyists. lobbyists. Right. To keep yeah. them from pushing what the American people want. That's what they should have been up there talking about. And you about. have something called fake news and very fake news. <laughs> and so what they did is they took and put this out in the media as if we've been paid by the Trump campaign. This has been an ongoing story that they've 
head out there for a few months now. Well, you know, we we're, we ignored that because we know the truth about right. That. So with them having that in their mind, they was upset because they could not get that spin out as if we've been paid to actually support the president of the United States. You don't have to pay us to support the truth. That's right. We know the truth. That's right. So you don't have to pay us to do that. Mm -hmm. So when all of the truth finally came out before them and the world on the other day, they are upset that they could not stick that to us. That was a reimbursement. We did not profit off of that. We didn't even have to pay taxes off of that money because that was a reimbursement. That's right. That's what that was. And they can't get yep. that through their head because they want to stay with that narrative. Like, we've been paid to support the president. But what they want to do is change the narrative. Yeah, they want to change mm -hmm. it. Were you surprised to see articles in the news after your testimony saying that you guys lied under oath? It yes. Was, it, was, it, was, it was really disturbing to see that. It lets us know that a lot of people, this is the part of the game that the Democrat plantation play. They, they play these tactics. Of, of trying to keep you focused on a little bit, $1,274.94, the little bit, but don't want to talk about the millions and the millions and the millions that have been, 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 uh, given to different people to sit on those different benches when you're supposed to represent the, the American people, yet you're representing your own right. greed instead of the need of the people. So we was really disturbed by that and with people understanding. They want to keep that narrative out there to make us look bad, to take and, and disintegrate our character, to make us look like our voices, what we're saying is about nothing and that it, it, it don't matter and that we're telling a lie. And to have people questioning our integrity. Our integrity. But, you right. remember, but always remember this here. They only smear who they fear. That's right. So you, in order for you to put that level of uh, disdain out about diamond and silk, that's because you fear us. That's right. You knew we were telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And what's so sad, let me just tell you this here. What's sad is that you have these same people be out there in the streets marching yeah. about their rights, mm -hmm. about rights, equalities, rights for black people. Right. But you have these same people up there that wouldn't fight for diamond and silk rights mm -hmm. to freedom of speech. Yeah. That's a problem in our book. That's and right. we have to bring that to light. Yeah. We have to let people know if you are a Democrat, look at who's representing that's you. Look at who's representing you. Yeah. And that's why if you look at their districts, their districts have failed. These people have no, they, they don't care about the American mm -hmm. people. What they care about is pushing Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what they care about. What yeah. they care about is making sure that the illegal aliens can attain the American dream mm -hmm. and not the American people. Right. And that's what's got to be brought to light when it comes to these congressmen and women up there that sits up there on the panel and they do nothing. They sit up there, they, they spread like I don't know what. Yeah. They sit on their seats and do nothing. That's and right. all they do is push nothing, but don't push anything for the American people. And it's time for all Americans to take a look at this here. Yeah. This is, these are the people that we have to vote out. That's right. And then even being a, a, <clears throat> being a part of the Democrat plantation from back in the day, knowing their tactics, you know, they always want to say that it's the Republican that wants to keep you down. It's the white man that wants to keep you down. But we found out the other day, and, and it was brought to light and proven that no, it's the black man mm -hmm. that wanted to keep you down. That's, that's right. Look at the black, look at the, uh, Hank Johnson. Yeah. Sitting up there questioning us about how much money we make on these platforms. Right. As if we shouldn't be making no money. Now, how do you think that make us feel as African American women? That's right. Now, these are the same people that be out in the streets now, yes. marching for equality, yet you don't want Diamond and Silk to have no equality because right. we conservative That's and right. we support this president. And the sad thing is, it was the president who happens to be a white man that said the first time we met him, in front of the whole world. 
I hope you monetizing this because he said, hey, you all should be making some money. That's right. But then you got a black congressman to say, oh, how much are you how making? Much? As if we should be making up. I right. want the world to, to see, see this. this. And I need African Americans to see this. You know, oftentimes Republicans get criticized and ostracized yeah. for being, they, they call them racist. Mm -hmm. You know, because now that we're Republicans, we hear this here. And then Republicans, all they do is go in the corner and fold like paper. But I want them to know that I'm a new Republican. That's now, right. I'm a Trump Republican. Yeah. You're not going to deem us as racist and you're not going to deem another Republican as racist. That's right. And if black Americans want to come up, which is the time, That's then we're right. going to do that. And these black leaders are not going to hold us down for doing that. Amen. Now, Joe's got a question because yeah, Zuckerberg was... So information came out uh, after you guys testified that said that the uh, senators that questioned Zuckerberg collectively had received over $600,000 in campaign contributions. Do you guys think that had anything to do about how, uh, the way that he was treated on Capitol Hill when he was questioned? Versus well, the way you, you know, were treated, they treated yeah. Him with, with, they treated him with little kitty gloves. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite sure some people were paid to be soft with him yeah. and not hardcore with him. And remember now, they didn't have to, they didn't swear him under oath. No. What was the reason? What is, what, uh, just look at this here. You got the elitist can do whatever they want to do in this country. Right. Pay somebody off, that's okay. But you got somebody, two black African Americans that's not even up there in that status. Oh, we got to swear you under oath because you, I don't yeah. know, we got to swear you in under oath. We got to do this here. And then you got people that look like us yeah. that try to throw us under the bus. They are the ones. All because yeah. we support the president of the yeah. United States. The Republicans, my my white counterpart, they are the ones that allow Diamond and Silk a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. The black man, and, and I know that people was like, don't bring race into it. But we I have, have to. to because we've yeah. been taught <laughs> in tradition for so long. That is the white man that want to keep you down. And we have to let black people know, no, it is your own fellow man that is trying to keep you down. They are the ones that, that once you in the street, burning down your communities, telling you that we shall overcome and all of this other different stuff. They don't tell you that they are the one, the party of slavery. They are the party of the KKK and the Jim Crow mm -hmm. day. They are the party that went against you having your civil rights as a black man. We're trying to uh, uh, tell people and show people <clears throat> what's really going on right. here. And we think all of our Republican counterparts, everybody, letting them know that Diamond and Silk deserve a seat at the table. We deserve to be there to tell what's going on and to come out and diminish us to try to diminish us to make it look us. like it, to make it look like we what was we nothing. were saying was was yeah. nothing. That was a shame, <clears throat> mm -hmm. and I'm glad that the world got to see what's really been going mm -hmm. on up there. You want to know why nothing can't get done, and why every time something going on, everybody got to be in the street marching? They've been in the street marching for days, for years, and mm -hmm. nothing has got done. Now you get to see why nothing is getting done mm -hmm. because even your black the the CBC, Congressional Black Caucus, uh, the NAACP, you got your Al Shoppings and your Jesse Jackson, and I can keep on running down a list. These so-called black leaders don't give two red cents that's about all. your black lives. Mm -hmm, and they right. got you out in the street talking about <coughs> black lives matter. But what about Diamond and Silk black lives? There you and go. You think we matter the other day. And can I just say one more thing? Yeah. You know, when you yeah. write, you fight. But you fight for solutions. Right. Not one time did we go out there and pump our fists in the street. Mm -mm. Not one time did we burn down a community. We had a seat at the table yes. so we can tell as Americans what's going on out here when it comes to censorship and when it comes to these social media platforms. Right. And so for these uh, uh, congressional, the, the Congress and these, these, these 
oh my God, these people that's supposed to represent that's America. To for represent them to deny and diminish yes. us, I'm telling you, it's unacceptable. Yeah. And I will continue to talk about it. And these are the people, again, that we're going to have to vote out. Or our out. American voices are never going to be heard. That's right. I can say this, the walls of the halls of Congress are still shaking from your testimony, April 26, 2018, in front of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, absolutely. Now, now, I was, again, just, just to reiterate what was said and what you said, I was absolutely dismayed by the behavior, by the, by, by the, in my view, the disgraceful treatment you received by Hank Johnson, the Democrat from Georgia, by Sheila Jackson Lee, the Democrat from, uh, 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 California, I believe, right? Or Texas, I'm sorry. And, uh, and Hakeem, uh, Jeffries from New York. I, I, it was incredible. And, uh, Jeffries actually going so far as to say, well, you perjured yourself, which again goes back to both the, the money and then the timeline about the notifications, which was just a, a Wow, that was just beyond any belief. But but the hypocrisy of being criticized for making money, I think a big thing here, as you pointed out, indeed. And, and of course, what's plaguing the black community, which you just described, I'm, I, it's indisputable. I think your your testimony is is worth uh, is worth a lot when it comes down to when it comes down to this. Uh, uh, your takeaway from from uh, when, upon leaving Congress, upon leaving D.C., what did you, how did you feel? What was your takeaway from that? What did you well, think? you know, first of all, I felt elated because people saw exactly, in front of the world saw exactly what happened to Diamond and Silk. They saw right. it. They saw it all all play out. So I felt happy about that. But I was a little sad about the fact that after all of this happened, you still got like people like Hakeem Jeffries, I think that's his mm-hmm. last, last yep. name, uh-huh. I, I called us. Uh, part of a circuit mm-hmm. disperse and, and, and disrespect us mm-hmm. and what we want Hakeem to know that our daddy mm-hmm. ain't never disrespected us and call us out of our name that's right and he as a black man ain't gonna disrespect two women that's and right. call them out of their names I want people to yeah, because you know enough is enough, and this has got to stop. That's so right. my takeaway from this is that Diamond has still got to keep talking. Yeah, we got to keep bringing things to light because we got to be the voice for the voices that's behind us. That's right. Because this got to be an even playing field, and we have a president that want everybody to come up. That's even the ones that's behind us. Everybody is going to be able to tame. If you're an American, you're going to be able to tame a little bit of this American dream around. And it's here. also time for people to wake up and look at the district that these so-called leaders represent. Look at your district. A lot of them don't even live in that district. Take a look around and see why you're still stuck in the rut looking really messed up. It's because of these so-called leaders that's supposed to be representing you as an American citizen, yet they want to represent an illegal alien to obtain the American dream when a dream is supposed to be about you, the American citizen. Mm -hmm. And because of all of this censorship that's been going on, because of it, Diamond and Silk decided to take our message to the street. And that's why we want everybody to go to diamondandsilk.com. Click on Chit Chat Tour. See where we're coming at because we want to see your face in the place. We took our message to the street so we can let people know exactly what's going on. So you can stop us right here when one door closes, a big old window open, and no man, not even Mark Zuckerberg, can close it. That's right. Amen. Taking it to the streets. The Chit Chat Tour, uh, again, diamondandsilk.com is the website. You've got, uh, if I can just interject this, you've got a very special uh, event, Breakfast with Diamond and Silk, on May 11th coming up. Seating is limited. Uh, can you can you speak about speak about that? What's 
Or, I think something's supposed to be going on on May 11th in D.C. Please okay. don't don't quote me on it. I don't really know what's up, but I do know what's coming up in Greensboro, North Carolina. We have the Chit Chat Tour okay. that's coming up in uh, 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 on May the uh, 6th. Uh-huh. And then on Mother's Day, we're going to be in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, so I'm excited about that. We feel like we can flip California, so we go into California. I heard about some stuff. I don't like it that, that, that people are homeless and on the streets, yeah. and they don't have places to stay. Yeah. Yet... They want to turn that into a sanctuary city uh-huh. to house illegal aliens. What about the American people that's on the street and don't have a house? Yeah. So I have a problem with that. So we're going to California, Virginia, and so many more days. So just stay tuned. That's, that's great. That's what I'm talking about. Taking it to the streets, man. Yeah. Taking it to the streets because we, we, you know what? We can win on the numbers. If people just get, 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 folks, you gotta get behind Diamond and Sulk, okay? Everyone, get behind Diamond and Sulk, get beside them, uplift them with your prayers, with your support, but we know what, we can win on the numbers, and I'll tell you, if, if, if I can do this, you can do this, we're gonna do it together. Joe's got a question for you, just I know what, you're just, limited on time. Uh, what do you guys think, how do you guys think the president's doing, even with all this pushback from congressional leaders, from the Senate, from the media? How do you think he's doing at getting his agenda through? First of all, I think our president is doing a, an amazing Phenomenal. job with yes. what he has to work with, with the scrutiny and the things that they do and how they want to uh, 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 verify his people and get his people into place. And yeah. they just keep messing him over. So he is doing phenomenal. Yeah. I said it months ago. He is going to go down as one of the greatest presidents of all time in mm-hmm. the history yeah. of the history, especially in our lifetime, yeah. because we've never seen this before. Politics, politics will longer be the same. That's right. It's not going to be like it used to be. That's it's right. going to be, he has changed the game yes. for the better. Our president <clears throat> has done more in the last year and a half, almost a half, mm-hmm. than President Obama did in eight years. I mean, look at this economy. What, what jobs are back here? What idiot would be okay with sending jobs overseas? That's right. People over here in America mm-hmm. is riding dirty yeah. and can't work. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, you can get an Obama phone, but how is that Obama phone going to pay your bills, especially if you don't have no minutes That's on right, it? that's right. And then, can I just say this here? And then they want to take down the statues. Yeah. Leave them statues alone that's because right. them statues, they, they can't feed you, Mm-mm. they can't clothe you, and Mm-mm. they can't give you a job. That's so right. why are you bothering the statues? That's right. So our president is doing He's a, a wonderful job. job. Amazing. Beautiful. Pure, pure, pure diamond and silk, aptly named diamond and silk, uh, diamond, uh, the, the hardest of substances, but the most beautiful and silk, of course. My goodness. Thank you, ladies, so very much. Anything that we didn't cover that, that, uh, you, you wanna, you wanna make a statement on? Because it's, it's, it's up to you. Anything we didn't hit on that, that you wanna reinforce or, or? I say? just want people to, I, I just want people to know. That these congressional races are coming up, yeah. and it's time for you to get out and vote. That's but when right. you vote, you need to vote Republican. Yeah. You need to vote for somebody that's going to make sure you keep your money that the president has already put in your pocket. That's right. And more is to come. You need to vote for somebody that's going to have your best interest at heart. And we found that these Democrats don't. You need to vote Republican. Your vote is your voice, and your voice is your power. So use it. Amen. Ladies, thank you so very much. I know you're, we know you're incredibly busy, but thank you so much for being able to, to, to visit with us, to get your voices heard. All 160 countries that we're, that, that we're broadcasting to right now. Uh, President Donald Trump, uh, you've got a, a great asset in, in the form of Diamond and Silk. And Diamond and Silk, you've got our backing and our collective backing. And thank you so much. Thank you for everything mm. you've done. And you're making thank a difference. You. you really are. 
Thank you, and thank you for having us. All right, folks. Diamond and Silk, Righteously Rain, Fire and Brimstone on Congress. That's an article head, head right above the fold, CanadaFreePress.com, as well as HagmanReport.com. Diamond and Silk, thank you, uh, folks. Wow, what a great interview. Go to HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com. I've got to tell you right now at HagmanReport.com, you will find an article there. I, folks, I need you to share this article. It's, uh, it is titled, what is it titled here? <laughs> Hagman Report exclusive diamond and silk unload on Congress critics and purveyors of fake news. All right, you've got, folks, I ask you a favor. Put the link to that article on your social feed. Spread this article everywhere. You know, I watched the most despicable display of fake news, of, of jackbooted thuggery by Chris Cuomo of CNN, uh, by the Young Turks, in my opinion, Anna Kasparian or whatever her name is, Mark Johnson, these people of, of, the right wing watch, all of these, all of these, uh, uh, garbage, the so-called news sites take these fine ladies to task. Uh, the fact that they lied uh, under oath. Yeah, the fact that Representative uh, Hank Johnson had said uh, that uh, they should be prosecuted for lying under oath. How dare you? How dare you? You know, they had more class than I have because I would have left that hearing. I would have told, I would have spoken my mind to Sheila Jackson Lee, Hank Johnson, and Hakeem uh, Jeffries. Uh, gracious ladies indeed. I would not have put up with the crap that they put up with at that hearing. How, and think about this. Two black ladies being put under oath while Zuckerberg, that, that uh, wet behind the ears, snot nose, uh, wonderkind, uh, needing a booster seat there in Congress, yeah. gets treated with, with kid gloves. That to me is just absolutely incredible. Uh, but, but what, what an interview, folks. What, what a, what a, what a great interview. We have Randall Terry coming up, uh, with us. Now, before we get to Randall Terry, I want to just, uh, I want to welcome a brand new sponsor of the Hagman Report. Welcome 1-800-Flowers. Now, we got to talk. Mother's Day is coming up in a couple of weeks. Take care of it today. Take care of it now. Take care of it soon like tomorrow take just take care of this let's talk for a second let's be real because if your big mother's day surprise consists of one of just a, of one well-crafted text message for example you know what you need to go back to the drawing board right now moms deserve more than just emojis right do it right this year celebrate mom with this with a very, very special limited time offer from 1-800-Flowers.com right now. You can take care of all the mothers on your list, 1-800-Flowers. They'll give you 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase. That's right. Think about this. Two dozen multicolored roses and a free vase for under 30 bucks. Twenty nine ninety nine. Now that's an offer your mom would any mom would approve of. 
with a bright and beautiful mix of premium roses and a rainbow of colors. These blooms are guaranteed to make her smile. Multicolored roses are the perfect way to surprise all of the moms in your life, your your wife, your aunt, your sister, grandma, hey, colleagues, uh, boss, bosses, whoever. These breathtaking roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak. They're shipped overnight to ensure freshness. 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for only $29.99. This is an amazing offer. But hurry, because it expires soon. All you have to do is pick your delivery date, and 1-800-Flowers will handle the rest. Don't put this off. Order today from 1-800-Flowers.com. It's what mom would want you to do. But here's the deal. Now, listen carefully. To order 24 multicolored roses, that's two dozen. Oh, and they're so gorgeous. I ordered I ordered my wife a, a this very same package just to see her reaction. And you talk about gorgeous and beautiful. She thought it was well over $50. It was just, it, it was breathtaking. But to order 24 multicolor roses plus a free vase for only $29.99. That's right, $29.99. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click the radio icon. This is critical now. 1-800-Flowers.com. Click the radio icon and enter code Hagman. That's all you got to do. Remember these three things. 1-800-Flowers.com. Click the radio icon. Enter code Hagman. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code Hagman, and pick your delivery date, and it's off to the races. You don't have to think about it again if you do it right after the show. Great. But again, use the code word Hagman for this special offer. They're gorgeous. The roses are fantastic. And at that price, you just can't beat it. 1-800-Flowers.com, code Promo code Hagman twenty nine ninety nine for twenty for two dozen. And by the way, you could you could spend a long long time at that website looking at the different flowers and arrangements. I'll tell you something. They they're breathtaking. They'll take your breath away. Uh, convenient. I've hundred percent convenient. It's great. So welcome one eight hundred flowers to the Hagman family of listeners. I know you listeners out there. You will appreciate that deal. You really will. So, next up, Randall Terry. By the way, um, about Diamond and Silk, uh, again, I just want to reiterate the fact that please go to HagmanReport.com. Share the story that's on HagmanReport.com. It should be on the top. It's, uh, again, the, the title of the article is Hagman Report Exclusive Diamond and Silk Unload on Congress Critics and Purveyors of Fake News. And let people know. You know, let's call out people like Chris Cuomo. Let's call out uh, the Young Turks. Let's call out right right wing watch. Let's call out these these other garbage websites, and say, you know what, you're being disingenuous. Not only that, yeah, I'll tell you what, you're being racist. How's that? Uh, seriously, you've got a couple of fine women, diamond and silk, fighting the fight for us, for all of us. And calling out censorship, saying, hey, this is not right. Taking it to the streets, by the way, the old-fashioned way. This is what we're doing as well, taking it to the streets. We owe Diamond and Silk a, a debt of gratitude. And, and please, do me a favor. Uh, tell them you saw their exclusive interview on the Hagman Report and thank them. Thank them, because they deserve a, a boatload of thanks. 
to be called to Washington, testify under oath, and be treated that way. It's incredible. So, Randall Terry. Randall Terry is an amazing guy. He's an amazing guy. He's, he's, wow, I don't want to take a minute of his time, but Joe, if you want to bring him in, because we've got, uh, uh, we've got some yeah. exciting news with Randall Terry. Yeah, we do. And, and just before that, John handed me a note just a little bit ago that many of our listeners will be saddened by. Apparently, Chuck Missler has passed away, and that was announced uh, just uh, maybe less than an hour ago. So keep his family in your prayers. He was on our show one time with Sheila Zelinsky on a Sunday, and he was a real uh, awesome pastor and a very effective Bible teacher and expert. So, again, Chuck Missler passing away. Check out his stuff. We'll talk more about him later. But we have with us Randall Terry. His website is randallterry.com. And subscribe to his YouTube channel, Randall Terry, also voiceofresistance.org. Mr. Terry, welcome back to the show. As always, it's good to be with both of you. I'm honored. Well, it's it's good to have you with us. You're looking pretty relaxed tonight. It's okay. Can you hear me? Well, I'm on vacation in Florida. Oh, okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah, you know... Uh, I came down to see, I came down to see my mom. So I'm, and I said, mom, I gotta go and talk to the Hagmans. I've got my priorities, mom. It's not Mother's Day. Well, hey, you know <laughs> what? You gotta, you gotta get hooked up with 1-800 flowers, man. I'm telling you, you give mom, uh, gift of flowers. But, so, so, uh, you, you know, I'm going I, to. I gotta tell you, I was really intrigued with, uh, uh, some of the stuff I saw. Folks, Randall Terry's, take a listen to what he's, what, what's going on here. He, this guy's, Moving and shaking. Uh, where do you want to start? I don't want to talk out of school, and I don't want to get ahead of. Well, I, I, your, you know, um, we are right now talking with, negotiating with the company that helped promote the Passion of the Christ. Uh, I'm really excited. We, we we we're hoping to do a theatrical release of a movie called Mohammed in His Own Words, and it is. A kind of a truncated, compressed movie on the life of Muhammad. As you know, we did the four D series, eight hour serial, What Would Muhammad Do? And it got great reviews. People watched it on various TV networks, but it's, it's long. And so I had people asking me, please make a shorter version. So we went back to the drawing board. And we've been working diligently for months now to create a 90-minute documentary where I'm never on screen. So it's just narration, voice actors, animation, artwork. Um, We have almost 100 pieces of original art in it. There's new music, new art. And it, I mean, these, these are professionals who've got over 100 movies that they've worked with. And they are anxious to help us get this out. So we're in the stage of negotiating what theaters might take it, what churches might air it, how we can hook up with folks like you guys, Hagman Hagman, to air it on their websites. And that's that's where it's at. And I did send Eric a clip. Uh, I think I sent him the trailer, which is 55 seconds, and also a sneak peek. Can, can we run that now? By the way, we're getting some static on from your end. Uh, the connection is a little okay. bit tenuous. Okay, I'll get that fixed. Okay. Uh, you, 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 I'll get that fixed uh, while you guys run that. All right, we're going to run the trailer right now. So anytime you're ready, Eric, we can rock and roll. 
I have been sent with the sword in my hands so that only Allah may be worshipped. Allah who placed my livelihood under the shadow of my spear and who condemns those who disobey my orders to servility and humiliation. Randall, Terry, pick up the white courtesy phone. It's the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Muhammad, in his own Another words. school shooting. Oh. What, what, what happened here? Probably something else was playing. Um, we Is the sound any better? Did that help? When we were off the air, we made an adjustment. If not, I'll just go to the internal mic in the computer. Yeah, no, the static's still there, Randall. Yeah, we're getting lost. All right, let me get that fixed. If you um, if you want, uh, we can we can uh, punt for one second, and we can run the um, we can show the nine minute clip. I could give a, a quick bit of background here. I don't. I just don't want to unplug the wrong thing. Um, okay, you're you you're fine. To, if you if you, you wanna... if you hold yourself kind of like that, <laughs> the Fox viewing positions from, uh, but yes, I'm, okay, you're I'm good Italian. now. I'm genetically incapable of talking without moving my hands. That's the problem. <laughs> well, okay. The static seems to have subsided a, a bit. So, um, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. All right. So, um, how about that news today about Netanyahu releasing a hundred thousand documents? Yeah. Uh, that they about the Iranian nuclear program. Yeah. I was I was reading and watching as much as I could before I came on. Um, for those of you, uh, your viewers who haven't heard the news, the Israeli government had some kind of an incredible spying ring going on with the Iranian nuclear program and ha- has now released the, the documents to the United States. They're going to give them to the United Nations and to a few other of our allies in Europe, showing that the Iranians have, in fact, been pursuing a nuclear weapons program. And... It's it's their documents showing what they named it, how they changed the name, how they moved the players from one facility to another, where the stuff is being stored. It is the smoking gun. So hopefully President Trump, uh, who just had a press conference about it, and he said it proved that I was right all along, um, hopefully he will not keep the United States in this insane deal with the Iranians. Well, one of the things that um, I thought it would be good to talk about with your viewers is the difference between the tensions that the United States had with the Soviet Union, nu- nuclear tensions, the tensions that we have with North Korea, and the tensions that we have with Iran, because they're very different. Uh, as you know, Doug, the the nuclear policy that the U.S. had towards the Soviet Union was called MAD, M-A-D, Mutually Assured Destruction. Basically, it was two grown-ups in a room pointing a gun 
not just at one another, but at one another's wives and children, and both of them saying, okay, let's not shoot. You don't shoot my wife and kids, I won't shoot your wife and kids. And the world was able to live through decades of nuclear tension, and still does to this day. The, the Russians don't want to fire a missile at us because they know that we will turn Moscow into an ash heap, and St. Petersburg, and one city after another. So, the same with North Korea. North Korea probably could we reach Hawaii with a nuclear warhead, but we would kill uh, the, the leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, we would kill all of his generals, and we would kill, we would destroy his military, and and then we would go on with our lives, and we would have the grief and the horror of what we had to deal with, but we would prevail and they would be dead. A communist doesn't believe in the afterlife. He believes in this life. He doesn't believe in heaven and hell. So his incentive is to stay alive. But a Muslim not only believes in an afterlife of heaven and hell, but he believes, because Muhammad taught him, that if he dies while he is fighting and facing the enemy, he will go to paradise. He can pray for 72 of his, or rather who get 72 virgins. He can take 70 of his relatives with him into paradise and that his sins will be atoned for. So this is, this is an incentive to not just kill infidels, but to die. So when we see some of these murderers, these Muslim uh, terrorists, when they go to kill infidels, they set themselves in a position where they know that they will die while they are facing their enemy. Because that's what Mohammed taught them. So imagine somebody with a nuclear bomb who knows that if he attacks Jerusalem or Tel Aviv or somehow was able to get a missile to any American city or to any European city, that terrorist knows he's going to die. And he says, I'll take that deal. My sins are forgiven. I get to go to paradise. I get 72 virgins. I get to take 70 of my relatives with me into heaven. I'll take that deal. You mean I could cripple America and I could wipe Israel off the face of the earth and go to heaven in the process? Where do I sign up? That's what they would be thinking. And that mindset is not what we are used to when we're dealing in the real world with nuclear weapons. Because in the world that we have lived in, as opposed to the fantasy world of this Islamic scheme, in the world that we've lived in, we have people that want to be alive. They don't want to kill the other people if they don't have to, and they certainly don't want to be killed. The Muslim, on the other hand, who is devout and who studies the life of Muhammad and reads the words of Muhammad, he wants to kill, and he wants to be killed. So it's a completely different paradigm, and that's why we must keep nuclear weapons out of the hands of Iran, and we must get them out of the hands of Pakistan. You know, that's the dirty little open secret that no one wants to talk about, that Pakistan is one lunatic away from having a nuclear warhead aimed at us or one of our allies. So I was thrilled that Netanyahu had the press conference 
You've got to love the Israelis, what they can do. <laughs> Somehow they infiltrated the Iranian nuclear program and got the evidence that there is, in fact, and has been a nuclear weapons program all along. And, Randall, let so, me ask you this. Uh, I didn't, I saw some of the images. I did not get to, uh, I don't know everything that was, that Netanyahu released as far as evidence. I don't know what files he shared or how many are available. But I did see a few people in a comment section uh, take issue with the fact that what Netanyahu presented was in Arabic. And I understand that the uh, they speak Persian in Iran. Would there be any uh, reason uh, or issue there as far as the people's comments? Is there anything to I, that? I, look, I, looked at, I looked at it and thought, that's not Farsi, that's Arabic. Why are they doing that? And what's even more interesting is that he did his press conference in English, not in Hebrew. So I don't know if he was playing to the Saudis. Because the other thing that we, we and you, you bring up a good point, why Arabic? Iran is a Shiite nation, and they hate the Sunnis. They have a blood feud with the Sunnis that is almost 1,400 years old. And so short uh, on the short list of Iran for payback, first is the Jews, but they also want to go after the Sunnis because the Sunni Muslims are who killed Ali and that's who the Shiites follow, Ali and his heirs. And they have tortured, tormented, persecuted Shiites, you know, for a large part of 1400 years. This is an interesting, um, this is an interesting point. There are people who, who don't understand Islam and they don't want to. But the key to understanding Islam is, and forgive me for going on this rabbit trail, Joe, but you, you, you provoked me with that thing about Arabic. Muhammad said, the end will not come, the last hour will not come until the Muslims fight the Jews and a rock or a tree will say, O Abdullah, O servant of Allah, there is a Jew hiding behind me Come and kill him. So, a Muslim believes that the end of the world, literally the end of time, is connected to the destruction of Jews. And so it's an easy step for them in their mind to say, we're gonna, we're gonna get a weapon if we can, and let's force the hand and bring about the end of time. Let's just wipe Israel off the face of the earth. We'll die martyrs, we'll go to heaven. And maybe we'll have a nuclear weapon and we'll bomb Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. I mean, they, they hate the Saudis. They hate Sunni Islam. They hate the, the torment and the torture that the, that the Sunni Muslims have brought on them, the Shiite Muslims, for centuries. So that's possibly why that, uh, some of those images that we saw were in Arabic because he wanted the Saudis and other Arabic Muslim nations, Arabic speaking Muslim nations, to see for themselves what was going on. I, I, Other I than that, maybe, I don't know. I, I thought maybe it was it was for Barry Sotaro, Barack Hussein Obama's on his behalf. Um, <laughs> of course, you know we saw the Iran deal uh, via um, Obama and Valerie Jarrett. We watched the power shift go from uh, Saudi Arabia to Iran. Isn't it interesting how the Arab Spring really kind of uh, worked into that, and of course, 
you know, how yep. Iran was left. This has been planned for a long time. And you said so much in, in that period of time. Um, let's not forget A.Q. Khan from Pakistan and his contribution to the nuclear armament program of North Korea as well as Iran. Yep. So, yeah. And I mean, the Saudis going. helped this. The Saudis helped fund the Pakistani nuclear weapons program. It was a lot of oil money. And they have, I, I promise you, they have some kind of a wink and a nod backroom deal where if the Saudis ever need a nuclear weapon so that they can have one while they know that Iran has one pointed at them, then they'll get one. And then, of course, the question becomes, will the Iranians or the Saudis, if the weapons fall into the wrong hands, use them against Israel? Because if Iran uses a nuclear warhead against the nation of Israel, or if the Saudis do, or if Pakistan or anyone else does, the United States will respond in kind. Now, we know, thanks to President Nixon with his slip-up on Larry King years ago and other confirmations, but we know that the, the Jews, that, that Israel, they have nuclear weapons. They do. We don't know how many there is. Is there? Do they have 20 in their arsenal? Do they have 100? I don't know. But we know that they have them. And we know that they could take out Tehran and they could take out Damascus uh, in fairly short order. So it's, it's, so it's so horrific. The thought of the loss of life is so horrific. We don't want to go there. But what we have to remember is that a part of Islamic ideology is killing and being rewarded for the killing. Um, What's his name? Ibn Walid, who was the 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 fierce general that Mohammed uh, sent to to convert people at the point of the sword. He would approach a city and call them to Islam, and he would say, "You have three choices: you can become Muslims. If you're a Christian or a Jew, you can pay the jizya tax, and if you are." not a Christian or Jew, you have to convert to Islam. And if you don't convert to Islam, we will kill you. And he said, we will send against you tribes of people who love death more than you love life. And when you read that, or you hear it, we will send against you tribes of people who love death more than you love life. You, you know, you're tempted to scratch your head until you realize that he's talking about promises that Muhammad made to them. That death would be more rewarding than life. That death would be better than life. More riches, more sex slaves, more sensual pleasures, more gardens, more feasts. So, when we watch what's going on with Iran right now, we have to remember that they're trained from young children to think in the terms that, that we're discussing right now. To love death more than we love life. And if Iran gets a nuclear weapon, let's put it to you like this. What weapon has any, what weapon has been created that has not been used? Hmm. And think about it. Yeah. Even up to and including atomic bombs. We used in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, we've used them. Other nations have tested them. We know that they'll work. And, when the Muslims have had armaments in the past, over the last 1,400 years, they have used everything at their disposal to try and break the back of Christianity 
and spread Islam with the sword, what we metaphorically call the sword. Whether it's a sword or a pistol or a cannon or a nuclear weapon, they are hell-bent on using force to punish or to convert the infidel and to destroy Jews from the face of the earth. And the, and the church to silence and to oppress and ultimately enslave and, and extinguish the church of Jesus Christ. So, there it is. Randall, let me ask you this. We've seen this, uh, all these nations that are involved in what we saw the, uh, Arab Spring since 2012 with the overthrowing of many governments in the Middle East. And Syria has been, uh, the, the longest stronghold there with their civil war, uh, ongoing in we see so many countries involved in Syria. We had airstrikes yesterday where apparently Israel struck a weapons depot in Syria that belonged to Iran, according to reports that we have. Do you see the yes. uh, potential for the Israeli and Iranian conflict uh, via Syria or just outright between the two countries? Uh, a near possibility now so more than ever? Or do you see this continuing to, to play out like we've seen throughout this whole Arab Spring since 2012? Well, the, the, the crazy thing is, is you've got two tracks. The Arab Spring was launched by the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood had thousands and thousands of cells in place in Muslim countries throughout the Middle East. They have over a hundred thousand cells right now. So it's multiple millions of men. And, uh, their, their chief theologian at the time, Yusuf Karadawi, is who called for Americans to be killed in Iraq. He's the one who called for the overthrow of uh, Gaddafi in Libya. And the, he really was a, a voice for the Arab Spring. But, you know, the West, Western journalists wanted to glamorize the, the so-called Arab Spring when it was a bouquet of weeds and thorns. It was always about Sharia law. It was always about overthrowing governments, overthrowing Mubarak in Egypt, overthrowing Gaddafi in Libya, and to try and take out Assad in Syria. It was always about that. And they have, they were unfortunately very successful in implementing some of their agenda. And if you look at what's happening now in Syria, and you look at what happened and has been happening in Iraq and Syria with ISIS, what's happened in Nigeria with Boko Haram, these these God-hating, demonic murderers, followers of Islam, followers of Muhammad, following the words of Muhammad, they are... The Arab Spring was a revival of the death, the death cult, if you will, of using the sword to establish Sharia law. And that's, that's what we have to remember. Think about what happened in Egypt. Once... Mubarak was overthrown and the Muslim Brotherhood got in a position of power, what did they start to do? They immediately started to implement parts of Sharia law that had been abandoned. What has the Muslim Brotherhood called for in Syria for decades? The establishment of Sharia law, Muslim law. And this this goes part and parcel with Sunni Islamic terrorism and with the Arab Spring. And journalists in the West wanted to say, oh, this is about them wanting democracy. What a joke. You have to be a deliberate moron. You you have to be deliberately deceived because the facts are so easily attainable. They're so accessible that only a fool 
or somebody who was in a fantasy land would say that this was about democracy and overthrowing dictatorships. The ultimate dictatorships are Islamic states, or the Islamic state under Sharia law. So I don't know what will happen in Syria. If, if Syria, if Assad is overthrown, I, I, I'll bet you, you know, dollar to dollar that the Trump administration would just as soon leave Assad in power for a couple of reasons. Number one is he was trained, he was educated in the West. And he's a devil, he's a demon, but he's, he's a known devil. And if you look at what happened in Libya, if you look at what happened in Egypt, if you look at the growth of ISIS in parts of Syria and Iraq, if Assad is overturned, it is not going to be a government that is uh, a dictatorship that allows some protection of Christians and Jews in Damascus and other points of Syria. It's going to be like ISIS where they were killing Christians, burning churches to the ground. So, I hate what Assad has done. I think he's an evil, evil man. But we can look to Syria, and we can look to Egypt, and we can learn what would happen in Syria if if uh, we can look at Libya, we can look at Egypt, we, and we can see what will happen in Syria if Assad is overthrown. Yeah. So that's why when, when that's why when the Trump administration responded ten days ago or so with those bombings, they didn't kill Assad. They could have killed him. They know right where he lives. They could have him dead in in forty five minutes. They don't want him dead because the instability would give rise to the Islamic State or other Muslim terrorists, just like happened in Libya after Hillary Clinton killed Gaddafi or allowed Gaddafi to be killed. And you know. I- I often wonder why Assad's still alive, how he's managed to survive, uh, you know, these years of war in his country, uh, unscathed really. But, uh, you could be right. They could want to keep him alive. We do know the instability of, of regime change, what that has brought in those other countries that you, uh, just laid out. And it, it is terrible. And I want to ask you about the gas attacks though, Randall. The ga- the, the Syrian chemical weapon attacks that they said happened, the latest ones that they blamed on Assad, providing no evidence. Uh, it seems like after President Trump retaliated, that whole uh, talking point about the attacks had disappeared. And we have not seen any evidence. We have not seen any reports. What's the latest that you've heard on, on the gas attacks? I don't know. And I know, as you have heard, there are people that think that it was a setup, that he was framed, that he didn't do it. And I just don't know. I don't have contacts that are that high up in the government to leak information to me. I just don't have it. I just, I, I know that as does do you, that civilians were killed by gas and our government is saying that it was Assad. You know, the Russians are saying it, it wasn't Assad. What we know is that civilians were killed and we know that these weapons were supposed to have been banned. And we know that we had jets that took them out and it kind of leveled the playing field. I mean, <laughs> the rebels are, are literally just a few miles from Damascus. If, if, you, if you think of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., the rebels are probably as close to D.C. as Baltimore is to Washington. So, we, you know, it, it, we can't imagine from our vantage point the tension that exists there constantly and the horror of that, the horror of war. But the truth of the matter is Assad is a Shiite. He's propped up by the Iranians who are Shiites. They collectively hate 
the Sunni governments that surround them, but they also hate the Jews. So he's funding Hezbollah, helping Hezbollah, arming Hezbollah, which is a Shiite terrorist group that has taken an enormous amount of control in Lebanon and has killed, we don't know how many Jews. And they're also trying to stave off the attacks of Sunni Muslims, of Al-Qaeda and ISIS and other uh, Sunni terrorists who want to take over Syria. So <clears throat> there are people who say, wait a minute, Shiites are killing Sunnis and Sunnis are killing Shiites. Why don't we just step back and let them have at each other? And at different points in world history, that actually was a, a governing philosophy for some people. They would just step back and see what happened. But I think that the the sense of obligation to, to innocent civilians is a little bit stronger today and it's enforced by what we see, you know, with the cameras and people taking pictures and also our ability to stop it is very different. I, for me personally, one of the darkest days of Bill Clinton's presidency was when he allowed the slaughter in Rwanda to happen without stopping it. We could have stopped that slaughter and we didn't do it. And there was troops on the ground. There were boots on the ground there, UN boots, and they just said, don't stop it. So I despise Bill Clinton for that. And we, you know, I think that Rangel, there is a sense what was of... A, what was the reason for that? Uh, the hands-off approach in Rwanda. W was there ever... Uh, or, or what's your speculation as to why Bill Clinton said, no, we'll let go? Well, we our troops were part of a UN peacekeeping force. So the United Nations was in control of, of those troops. Now, there was a Canadian general that was there on the ground who did have troops at his disposal and could have stopped. But I think that some of the fear was that, that ultimately the, the number of um, United Nations troops or troops that had a United Nations helmet because they were Canadians and they were from various countries, that that they would have been possibly outnumbered or that it would have gotten really bad really fast and that the United Nations would have a big black eye. Because when the United Nations shows up, then they that's when they want peace. Um, so I don't know. All right. Didn't mean to take you off, off I don't, track. I don't know. I, I think that maybe they, I, they might have, it's all right, they might have been trying to avoid bad press. I, I don't know. It was one of, It's one of those things that that always disgusts me. Yeah. Because you have the guns, you have the firepower, go in and put a stop to it. I mean, they had film of people getting chopped to death. I mean, it's just, it, and they could have stopped it. Lord have mercy. Oh, man. So I think that tends to motivate people when they see what's going on. And it should have. You know, George Bush the Elder did the same thing. When we defeated Saddam Hussein in Iraq 1, there were Kurds that were being slaughtered by the tens of thousands. And we knew that they were being slaughtered. But because we had fulfilled the UN mandate to get Iraq out of Kuwait, we were done. Yeah. And that to me is, is criminal. Man, tell you. Uh, all right. Um, Mohammed, in his own words, a new film by Randall Terry. Do you want to, go ahead. Do you want to show a clip of it? Yeah. Uh, may we? Can we? Can we, can we Please, I'd be honored. You, this is, you, this will be the first. This will be the first time that any website has, I haven't even sent a press release out on this movie yet. I spoke today with the owner of, um, the film distribution company that we're talking to, 
And I said, can I tell people that we're negotiating? He said, sure, I don't care. Uh-huh. So, uh, that's, well, that's what's going on. We, 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 and this will be the first. And by the way, when this, when this clip is done, I'll tell people how they can get a review copy. Okay. And, um, go ahead and run it and then yeah. we, I know we'll only have a okay. couple minutes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you want us to play the whole clip? Yeah, nine minutes. About. Okay. All right. And, if and, you want, sure. I, yeah. Yeah. Let, good let's stuff. do it. All right. Here, here it is. Uh, first time anywhere. Muhammad, in his own words, the nine-minute sneak peek. Sneak peek. I have been sent with the sword in my hands, so that only Allah may be worshipped. Allah, who placed my livelihood under the shadow of my spear and who condemns those who disobey my orders to servility and humiliation. Muhammad, the founder of Islam. Muhammad was born in 570 and died in 632. Muslims believe that he was the prophet of God, or messenger of Allah, or apostle of Allah. Allah is the Arabic word for God. Islam is the name of their religion. Islam means surrender or submission. It is the second largest religion in the world, claiming almost one and a half billion people who are called Muslims. Muslims teach that Muhammad was used by Allah to deliver the Quran, which they believe is the word of God. Muhammad was an Arab, born in the city of Mecca, on the Arabian Peninsula. His mother's name was Amina, his father's name Abdullah. His father died while his mother was still pregnant. When he was six years old, his mother died. He lived with his grandfather for two years, and then his grandfather died. At eight years old, Muhammad was an orphan. His uncle, Abu Talib, took him in and raised him. In his 20s, he worked for a woman named Khadija. She was older than him, wealthy and respected. Khadija proposed marriage to Muhammad, saying that he was hardworking and that his clan spoke highly of him. When it was the night on which God honored him with his mission, Gabriel brought him the command of God. Muhammad said, The angel caught me forcefully and pressed me so hard that I could not bear it anymore. He then released me and again asked me to read, and I replied, I do not know how to read. To follow Muhammad's new religion and to defend him and his followers with the sword if they would relocate to Medina. Muhammad ordered his followers to emigrate to Medina, some 300 miles to the north. As the Muslims were leaving, Meccan leaders grew fearful that Muhammad might use his new position of strength in Medina to launch an attack against them. So, a plot was conceived 
to kill Mohammed before he left. Mohammed learned of their plans and he and Abu Bakr escaped to a cave outside the city. If the story ended here, Mohammed preaching in Mecca, the Muslims being persecuted, then fleeing to another city to practice their religion, if that was the end, this story would have been like many stories of persecuted religious minorities emigrating. But that's not the end with Muhammad. His biographers say, The men got ready, some pleased, the others apprehensive. They did not know the messenger of God would make war. After more than a decade preaching in Mecca, and over a year of preaching in Medina, his followers did not know that Muhammad would make war. They thought he was a man of peace, that Islam would be spread by peaceful preaching. Up till then, that was true. But everything was about to change. Ibn Kathir states, This was the first battle pitting his men against his enemies. The battle took place at a small desert oasis named Badr. The story of the Battle of Badr is told over and over again in mosques across the world. As we'll see, this battle was the turning point where Muhammad began using force to spread his religion. No trial, no mercy. He ordered his young cousin, Ali, to cut off his head. Ali obeyed and severed Al-Nadr's head from his body while Muhammad looked on stoically. Muhammad then ordered Uqba, the man who put sheep guts on his back in Mecca, to stand before him. Muhammad sentenced Uqba to death. Uqba pled for his life. Am I to be killed while the other hostages are not? Muhammad was unmoved. Uqba begged for mercy. Who will take care of my children? Muhammad said, Hellfire, and had him decapitated. Muhammad let all the other hostages live, but by his own testimony, he had these two men decapitated in his presence because they had insulted him back in Mecca. After the Battle of Kaibar, Muhammad took for himself a sex slave, the beautiful teenager Safiya. The apostle had chosen one of their women for himself, Rehana, and she remained with him until she died in his power. And again, Al-Tabari discusses her sexual slavery in a very spiritual fashion. God granted Rehana of the Banu Qurayza to his messenger as booty. Rehana was booty to Muhammad a prize of war from Allah, a sexual slave, not a wife. Muhammad also had a child bride, Aisha. He married Aisha when she was a girl of six years of age, and he consummated that marriage when she was nine years old. Muhammad clearly favored the young child Aisha. Historians record that she was the only virgin he ever married. Muhammad made clear the main purpose of jihad was forced conversion 
to Islam. He said, I have been commanded to fight people until they testify that there is no God but Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. If they say it, they have saved their blood and positions from me. These are not stories taken out of context. Sadly, Muhammad repeatedly authorized sexual crimes against women. He ordered the assassination of multiple people who satirized him. He repeatedly slaughtered Jews. He ordered the decapitation of hundreds of hostages. Muhammad's actions provide the guidance for Muslim terrorists who want to please Allah by following Muhammad's example. Muslim terrorists believe that their brutal actions are Allah's will. Whether cutting off the heads of civilians in Iraq or Oklahoma, or murdering American servicemen in Chattanooga, or raping women in Syria, or selling girls as sex slaves in Iraq and Nigeria, or killing co-workers at a Christmas party in San Bernardino, or murdering thousands in Paris or New York or London or Brussels or Madrid, because they are mimicking what Mohammed and his companions did 1400 years ago. Wow. Very powerful. <laughs> All right. So how, how can people get a hold of a review copy? Should they, should they like to do so? Okay. I'll, I'll, I will tell you, um, the name of that film company is called Faith Driven Media and they helped promote the passion of the Christ. They were key players in that. Hacksaw Ridge, Rocky Balboa, Unbroken. These folks are real players in the Hollywood industry and we're in negotiations right now and I think we're going to be able to create some kind of a deal. I'm just thrilled because they watched it and said okay we want in and they've got the guts to do it and they have the history to do it. They're not afraid of controversy. So hmm. we we um, we've been working our hearts out on this and I'm old enough now to know if something needs to be fixed, fix it. So there is a lot of things in this film that we are tweaking right now and we've been sending out review copies of the film to viewers such as your viewers and saying to them okay just make your comments what do I love about the movie what do I hate about the movie what would I change it's a, it's a 90 minute documentary I'm never on the screen it's just wall to wall images, music, voice actors. It's what basically, those were all excerpts. That's why it was jumping around. It's an hour and a half movie that follows the arc of Muhammad's life and then shows his theology of jihad, killing apostates, converting people by force, theology of rape. I mean, it's, it's just a horrifying movie, but no one has ever done anything like this. You, you could search from now until the end of the week. You will, you will not find any movie on the life of Muhammad that uses his own words as the foundation for the movie. Man. So if someone would like a copy, go to either your website or our website, and we are proud to be partners with Hagman and Hagman, um, and click on an order. We, there's one of two ways they can do it. They can go ahead and order the, the, 
four DVD series, what would Muhammad do? And we will give them for free the movie. So you'll get the eight hours of material, college level material. Just order it. It's $37. That includes shipping and handling. And you can go to the Hagman and Hagman website or you can go to our website, WWMD series, what would Mohammed do series.com. Or if you only want the movie itself, just Randall, I've already got the series. Love you. I just want the movie. Go to RandallTerry.com and click on the donate button and give a gift of any size. And it's up to you, friends. You know, we're, we're not doing this to make money. We're doing it to change the course of history, to show the truth. We need money to finish the film. We gotta pay the bills, but you can give a gift literally of any size and we will send you the movie. And we will maintain in that gift to us, we will maintain our partnership with Hagman and Hagman. So, uh, that's how they get it. Go to yeah. RandallTerry.com, make a contribution of any size and we'll send it to you. Or you can go and order the DVD series, What Would Muhammad Do? And we will give it to you for free when you order that series. And if I can just say this, those people have not seen the series, What Would Muhammad Do? That series. It's the best $37 you can spend. It's an incredible expose of um, everything you need to know. And... As you said, the the, the uh, university level, the uh, information, uh, it's, it's incredible. So, for the sake of your viewers who don't know, I I went back to school and went to a military university and got my master's degree in diplomacy with a concentration in international terrorism. So I literally spent years of my life immersed in a study of international terrorism, and, and the bulk of that was Islamic terrorism. And so I, I was doing thousands of hours of research on his Islam, Islamic terrorism, and the life of Muhammad and the first generation of Muslims. So this is scholarly level research, 20 episodes. Oh, that's the music that says we've got to go. Yes, yeah, we're yes. Out of time, but folks, go to uh, the wow. YouTube channel, Randall Terry, and check out the latest that he has there. He's got uh, these great series of videos up. And uh, make sure you go there. Go to RandallTerry.com and subscribe to his YouTube channel. Again, Randall w Terry is the and YouTube channel. And uh, com as well. Give your mom a hug for us, okay? I will, and I'll get her flowers. There you go. All right, Randall oh, Terry. Guys. It's always great to have you. Thanks for being a partner in the, in the program. Folks, network break. Going to be right back. Hagman Report, HagmanReport.com. Don't forget to spread the uh, article all across everywhere on the planet. Be right back. This is the Hagman Report, and it is the last day of April 2018. Can't wait for spring. What is it? May 1st, and we get spring. May Day, of course, tomorrow. You know the drill with, uh, with the first of May and all the things that come with it and then of course you get into the first week of May and the the, the uh, uh just the weird time just the weird time so pray pray against the against all that is coming against us folks go to hagmanreport.com there uh, uh, uh the article about diamond and silk being on our show look that was an exclusive you know 
the right after uh, Congress, their congressional testimony. That, that's an exclusive piece, and embedded in the article itself is, of course, the um, the video. And of course, while you're at HagmanReport.com, check out Between the Lines with Peter Barry Chalka, our next guest. And don't forget, while you're at HagmanReport.com, uh, to check out our sponsors, including, of course, Lightstream. Let me ask you a question, because uh, you folks are, are among the most intelligent, uh, intelligent audience, uh, in, in the world, I believe. But are you paying more money and interest than you need to on your credit cards? You can uh, you can refinance your debt with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Sometimes it just makes sense. Lightstream rewards consumers who have good credit with a with a great interest rate. Credit card consolidations loan uh, consolidation loans from five point four nine percent APR with auto pay and no fees. Application one hundred percent online. It is a simple and painless process. Money is directly deposited into your account, so you are in complete control 100% of the time. And you know, you can even get your funds as soon as today. I was working with, uh, with my wife's niece who underwent this or who experienced a, a, a pretty severe divorce, a pretty acrimonious divorce, and she was left with with a, a lot of credit cards. And we figured her average interest rate was something like, I don't know, 16%. It was just outrageous. It really was. And her experience, now she's got some good, she's got good credit, had good credit, and we put her through the paces of Lightstream, which was very simple. It was a simple and painless process. Docked her credit card average interest rate down from, again, 15, 16%. It was, it was up there to 5.49% with auto pay. And if it, if it works for her, I'm going to tell you, it'll work for you. Apply today and get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way, folks, the only way for our listeners with good credit to get the special interest rate discount is to go to lightstream.com slash hagman. That's lightstream.com slash hagman. Now, I want to spell this for you because it's it's that important. It is L-I-G-H-T, like light, and then S-T-R-E-A-M. L-I-G-H-T, S-T-R-E-A-M, dot com, slash Hagman. And slash Hagman is the important part. You've got to check it out because, again, look at your credit cards. Look at the APR, the, the average interest rate you're paying. And I, and I can tell you right now, you're going to be absolutely surprised when you go through the application process 100% online from 5.49% APR with AutoPay. It's gonna, it'll help you immensely. Uh, just do what my wife's niece did. I'm telling you, it, it's, it'll, it'll work out very well for you. Now, this is subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.50 AutoPay discount. Available only when you select AutoPay prior to loan funding. Terms and conditions apply. And offers are subject to change without notice. Visit Lightstream.com for important information about limits on Lightstream Lightstream loans and same-day funding. And if you miss the URL, just go to HagmanReport.com and click on the link to Lightstream.com slash Hagman. It's a good deal. Now, every Monday we've got Peter Barry Chauka with us. Joe, I'm going to toss it over to you. Yeah, he's got some new pieces up on HagmanReport.com. They're front and center. And uh, bookmark the site if you have not already. And check 
regularly for Peter's articles. He's got one up on North Korea, April 26, 2018, a date that will live in history. Also, Sean Hannity owns $90 million in real estate. So what? Peter Chowka, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Thank you, Joe. Good evening, Doug, as well. Um, and we have at the outset uh, the two cats joining us. Uh, there we go. Their cameo for their fans. That's Biggie on my right and Lulu on my left. And just two things that came up in the chat last week. Uh, one or more people remarked that the cats seem to sleep a lot. Well, if you Google it, you'll see that uh, domestic cats sleep a lot. They sleep on average of 18 or 20 hours a day, so it's quite normal, especially when they've had a dose of catnip uh, before the program. And also, they're not fat. Lulu and Biggie weigh about 15 or 16 pounds each, but it's normal for their size. They're large cats. Their veterinarian says they're good weight. They're well-nourished. They get fine food, so everything is good with them. Before we get into the news tonight, I just would like to take uh, two or three minutes to uh, share something with the audience and, and involve the audience, actually, and it's going to be interactive for a couple of minutes, so if you bear with me. And I know from personal experience that the Hagman audience is a large virtual family of sorts, and in particular, it consists of many people of faith who are not afraid to demonstrate their faith. So tonight I wanted to tap into this quiet reservoir of strength and power and ask a favor. A close friend of mine and a friend of the program, so in effect a a member of the larger Hagman Report family, this friend was recently taken ill, seriously ill, and although stable at the moment. uh, The person was hospitalized last week in an intensive care unit, then moved to a regular hospital room and is preparing to go home. And um, at the request of the family and their interests in medical privacy and confidentiality, I'm not identifying the patient at all. But what I would like to request of people watching and listening tonight, either live or on the podcast, is to assist with their prayers. Now, the fact that the patient is not identified uh, does not impact the power of prayer that is directed to this person, intercessory or distant prayer, it's called. That's because this kind of prayer has been shown to work even when the person doing the praying and the person who's being prayed for don't know each other and that the person being prayed for doesn't even know he or she is being prayed for. And this has actually been studied in the medical and scientific literature, and it's been validated. It may sound strange to some, but I doubt it will sound strange to this audience. Now, two decades ago, I did quite a bit of research on this for several articles I was writing, and I found at the time that there were some preliminary research studies published in the mainstream scientific literature uh, that validated the power of distant prayer. The research would be something like a prayer group would pray for uh, a control group of patients in a hospital recovering from heart attack. So one group of patients would be prayed for. The other similar group recovering in the same hospital would not be prayed for. Neither the people doing the praying or the patients in the hospital knew which group they were in. The patients didn't know if they were in the prayer group 
or the grouping paid for or not. So it was blinded, as they say, and which is to protect against bias. And the results were that the group of patients who were being prayed for actually recovered from their heart attacks more quickly. Now, some other studies have questioned or challenged that, but the work is going forward. I came up to speed on it this past weekend and doing some more research. And another really interesting thing is that when the federal government does surveys to determine what alternative therapies our Americans are using to treat uh, their illnesses, that think, you know, things that are not in the mainstream, the number one thing that's considered an alternative therapy is prayer. So it's actually validated by the medicine and science now. So I would simply like to say to the audience, if you're a person of faith, if you pray, then if you would sincerely want to assist this person in need, please include this individual in your prayers in the days ahead. All you have to do is simply have in mind that you're praying for a person. You can think of a friend of mine, a friend of Peter's, or a friend of the Hagman Report, who's just been or is about to be released from the hospital and who needs help in the form of prayer in order to clarify this person's therapeutic options and to accelerate healing and recovery. Because at this point, a confirmed diagnosis hasn't been made and therefore treatment cannot be set. And the person in this case is very open to alternative natural treatments. So those work best when the climate is right for that person and prayer can certainly help. And that, that's, that's it. That's it. Anyone can participate. It's simple. It's private and it works. Now to the it news. Does. And, and by the and, way, Peter, we're going to be holding, uh, that person in prayer as well. And I ask everyone to, to please follow, follow what Peter said. Peter, uh, it really does work. It's does. amazing. When I started researching this in the 1990s, uh, I didn't know what I would find. And there are a lot of studies suggesting that, uh, it does have value. It does have impact. And what have you got to lose? And really, it seems like common sense. You know, we now recognize finally that diet, that what you eat, is very important with both the prevention of illness and with the treatment of illness as well. And and medical science finally admits that. So it's also common sense that prayer, which has been in use for thousands of years, would probably have a role too. So um, definitely words of wisdom there from the scientific literature itself. By the way, I I saw um, Diamond and Silk, that segment, and they they pretty much left me speechless, as they always do. Those women are just so cool. They are ready for prime time. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if uh, some channel like Fox News, for example, or gave them a show, a regular show, where you could just turn on the TV at a certain time every week or even Monday through Friday, and there would be Diamond and Silk. They wouldn't even need a script, I don't think. They would just run with it. Yeah, but kind, uh, kind of they like can you, do it. you know. I, I mean, seriously, I, I was we were talking about you in the same context of Diamond and Silk, and you guys are you guys share a lot of those same attributes, and, and that's a compliment. <laughs> so, um, well, they, you know, and the other thing I thought of is. Well, I mean, so many things could be said about them. I, I could spend the next hour or what's left of it reviewing their yeah. uh, their performance. I mean, they, they are just incredible. The charisma, the intelligence, the ability they have to articulate 
and they are not shrinking violets. They they give better than they get, which was shown in that hearing uh, in the Congress last Thursday. Uh, just exceptional. And um, earlier today, oh, when I tweeted uh, my appearance on the broadcast tonight, I used their picture and also mentioned that they'd be on the show. So I used the hashtag Diamond and Silk, and I went to check that out. I confirmed that my tweet was there. But I was really shocked, I probably shouldn't have been, but I was shocked and dismayed to see some of the disgusting comments and put-downs and criticisms that are being made of these two wonderful young ladies. But, you know, that's the climate we're working in. But, um, you know, anyone who missed that, who's hearing this now and didn't see or hear the Diamond and Silk segment earlier on this program tonight, April 30th, 2018, look for the podcast because it was dynamite. And uh, I guess I wanted to start out, before we get into a little discussion of the two articles that I posted today at the Hagman Report, I just wanted to mention, uh, more or less in passing, but not really, because I think it was actually quite significant, as disgusting as it was, the performance of um, Michelle Wolf at the White House Correspondents' Dinner on Saturday night. I happened to watch the entire thing, including the 20 minutes uh, that she did her supposed comedic routine, and it actually made me sick to watch it. I, I thought, it's like I think every week that we've reached a new low point in this society, in the United States of America in 2018, and that was a lower point than I've ever seen in any event of that kind. And I had kind of a feeling for it, too, because I'm very familiar with that ballroom at the Washington Hilton Hotel. In the years that I lived in D.C., I attended a number of events there, including they even had rock concerts back in the day. And the two that are mentioned in Wikipedia, The Doors and Jimi Hendrix, who performed there in 1967 and 68 actually was at those con- concerts. But I meant to, I, I attended many political events there too. The, it's the largest um, meeting room in the District of Columbia, which is why it's so popular. It will hold over 4,000 people. And there were at least two or 3,000 there for the event on Saturday night. And it was the most obscene, scatological, disgusting, uh, I would say borderline criminal public presentation that I have ever seen that was broadcast on live television. The What we've seen of the recaps of it don't tell the full story because the worst of it cannot be rebroadcast. Uh, she dropped the F-bomb on several occasions. She uh, went so close to wishing all the worst for President Trump. I I can't believe that she wouldn't get a visit from the Secret Service. And even more shocking than that, which the clips do not show you, the clips that have been shown since then, including on Fox News, was the response that she got from this elite audience there. This was the creme de la creme of the Washington political and journalistic media establishment. And for the most part, they were laughing along with her, they were applauding. She was doing this sick call and response, and many members of the audience were playing along with her, and she got applause at the end. And this kind of limp criticism that's been directed at her 
is, I think, uh, political correctness from the other extreme. Uh, some of the people at the New York Times, for example, who have tweeted mild criticisms of Michelle Wolf, I think are being careful because they realize that uh, the wrong button may have been pushed here and it may anger conservatives who will now be even more riled up and want to vote this November seeing this insight into what the left and and the deep state and the shadow government really finds entertaining and amusing. So, uh, and, and meanwhile, I came across this. Uh, this is actually very instructive, and I just wanted to mention this briefly. Um, as I was reviewing who tweeted what and who said what about this despicable performance of hers, I came across two individuals who were cited as, oh, these two trendy individuals thought she was really cool. Okay, one of them, and these apparently are well-known trendy individuals, unknown to me until Sunday. One of them is Wajahat Ali. Excuse me if I mispronounce your name, Mr. Ali. Muslim, of course, who was an op-ed commentator for the New York Times and has, uh, I think, over a million Twitter followers. He said... Uh, Basically, that there was nothing wrong with her performance. He's, uh, let's see, he's, yes, he, and he said this. Please observe, this is what he tweeted. These are his words. Please observe how a lot of journalists of color are fine with Michelle Wolf's roast of Trump and the administration, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, compared to others who are crying wolf. Little pun there. Okay, so Mr. Actually, that's a very interesting point because I had thought of that myself. As I started to track down who was really thrilled with uh, Ms. Wolf's performance, I was finding more and more people of color, more and more hyphenated Americans, Muslim Americans, uh, illegal immigrant Americans. That's the audience for this kind of garbage because our country's culture and civilization have been invaded and upended by these invaders who do not have anything like the taste, the the good taste, the common sense, or the decency that Americans used to have, Americans that is based on and deriving our essence, the constitutional republic from Western European civilization. Those days are over, folks, and this was the proof of it Saturday night. In 20 minutes, Michelle Wolf, for me, encapsulated everything we see in the garbage-strewn popular culture. Late-night television, Comedy Central, where she comes from, Netflix, where she's going next. And other commentators have said, by the way, that she is now on the map. Her fame and fortune are going to go through the roof. She is ready for prime time. And another character who said, and I quote, Sanders does not deserve, that is, uh, uh, Press Secretary Sanders does not deserve any pity based on the uh, put-downs of Michelle Wolf. This character is named Kumail Nanjani, another Muslim who apparently is even more famous than the previous one I mentioned. This guy is an actor, producer, writer. He has a film out called The Big Sick which uh, in which he plays the lead profiling how difficult it is as a hyphenated Muslim American to have a relationship 
with a non-Muslim Caucasian. And this guy has over 3 million Twitter followers now. So <laughs> that's what I think of those two. Do that yeah. again. I hope I, I, never, again. I hope I never hear their names <laughs> again. I'm going to tune them out, and I'm going to turn Miss Michelle Wolf's name out, too. Just her voice. I, I can't get it out of my mind, that resonating yeah. You know, she, she sounds like a, a, a female Gilbert Gottfried, and she she, she looks like <laughs> a combination good. between Debbie Wasserman Schultz and uh, Adam Schiff. And Lisa Page. And, uh, yeah, you know, and I think she did that. Obviously, the political divide is so great, they don't think that there's anything wrong with what they said. But I believe part of why she was so edgy and so mean and, and vile is for just what you said, Peter. Put her on the map. As long as she, you know, continues on this, on this track, she's going to get millions of dollars and, and, you know, huge deals. As you said, I think May 27th, she's got mm-hmm. a special on Netflix. She also worked on Comedy Central's The Daily Show, but she was relatively With Trevor unknown. Noah. Yeah. With Trevor Noah. And you know, another, this, there's a connection here. I like to try to connect the dots and there may be a few gaps in this connection, but here's one thing I was finding. I've been researching, well, Trevor Noah, that's the show she worked on. Now, Trevor Noah is a mixed-race individual who, of course, plays up the uh, darker part of his mixed race. Uh, He's from South Africa, and he was uh, discovered there and brought to the United States to replace uh, the previous Joker who was on Comedy Central in that time slot. John Stewart. John Stewart. So now Trevor Noah is the trendy, uh, you know, attention-getter and Michelle Wolf worked on his show. Well, isn't it interesting that uh, Mr. Noah came to this country from South Africa and now makes his living putting us down, putting down conservative, traditional Americans, President Trump, and everybody else that he doesn't agree with, and you know, attacking us for being a racist country, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Look at where he came from, South Africa. I've been researching South Africa lately because, as you guys undoubtedly know, there is an ethnic cleansing going on there right now as we speak. And what's left of the native Caucasian white population is being systematically attacked, murdered, tortured, and driven out of the country. It's now official policy of the African National Congress Black Majority Government of South Africa that they've revised the constitution there, which has been in effect since apartheid ended 24 years ago and the blacks took over. Now it has been amended so that blacks can seize the land owned legitimately and legally by Caucasian native South African landowners, seize it as they did in Zimbabwe, the failed country to the north, and kick out the white settlers. But they're not simply satisfied to do that. They are attacking uh, white settlers, white uh, farmers. And this, by the way, was the subject of Jan Markell's show, Understanding the Times, an excellent program which airs on 800 terrestrial stations weekly. Uh, she had a guest on last Saturday on her program describing in detail what's going on in South Africa. So when I hear this clown, Trevor Noah, coming here and telling us how problematic our society is here, why doesn't he go back home and try to fix his own damn country? Amen. And those policies are, I mean, let's go, let's the go insanity. Pay him a visit. I'll, I'll pick you up, Peter, and we'll go but, pay him a visit. But seriously, the insanity, and I know this is, uh, we weren't talking about what's going on uh, in in 
these countries where we're seeing these white farmers being expelled purely for their race. But mm-hmm. this has been going on for, for months now, and many journalists have gone down there to document it, not only the taking of land, but the beating and murdering of people yes. uh, and citizens down there. And if um, this wasn't really covered in our mainstream media. It's not covered here at all. It's covered to a small extent in England. In Australia, it's yep. gotten the most coverage. And Australia has made it possible for some of these people uh to to move there to immigrate and they stopped you know, that though uh, after right, public no, outcry apparently right you know meanwhile now here's another issue I wanted to touch on because I mentioned I have a a personal connection with the Washington Hilton ballroom where this ridiculous event took place and I was being flashed back to all events that I attended there and seeing this sick crowd that was assembled there this past Saturday to hear this supposed comedian. Well, another area that I'm very familiar with is that stretch of beach in Southern California, which is misidentified by most of the mainstream media here. We've seen videos of it in the last 24 to 48 hours with the members of the so-called caravan having arrived at the border of the United States and Mexico. So the mainstream media will say, oh, here are these people climbing this fence in, in Tijuana or in San Isidro or what? No. It's in Playas de Tijuana, which is the part of Tijuana where they are. It's right on the beach. Playas means beach in Spanish. It's about eight or ten miles west of the huge, uh, teeming, violent city of Tijuana. It's a city of its own, Playas de Tijuana. And on the other side of that fence is not San Diego or San Isidro, but Imperial Beach, California. And I am extremely intimately familiar with that border there, with that fence, and with that stretch of beach. And it absolutely makes me sick to see these supposed refugees climbing the fence there, some of them apparently getting over with Hispanic Americans or illegal immigrants or God knows who they are on the United States side of the border with signs demonstrating, welcoming them, saying, come, we're ready for you. Why is this happening? Well, California has been invaded. 45% of the residents of California right now speak Spanish at home. 45%. I think one out of two of the students in California in public schools speak Spanish. The, The state has been reconquered. And here's another example of it that we're seeing play out right before our eyes and all of these legal authorities are saying what these masses of people are trying to do to break into our country are actually acting according to the crazy United States law. So we've really got our work cut out for us but you know we're not seeing this story even reported accurately in terms of even where it's actually taking place but that's where it's taking place and you know by the way if you have For the people who, like a mile or so up the beach, there's like a no-man's land between the U.S. border and the first uh, group of condominiums at the end of Seacoast Drive in Imperial Beach, which is the most southwest point in the the continental United States that you can reside, the end of Seacoast Drive. And for the residents of Seacoast Drive, it's a living hell to have to live there with this constant stream of illegal immigrants walking up the beach every night. So that the next morning you go to your carport, you find uh, that people have defecated there. 
They've vandalized your car. They've stolen whatever isn't nailed down. You've got helicopters buzzing 24 hours a day with searchlights trying to look for these invaders. But, of course, they can't all be caught. You know, maybe half of them are apprehended and sent back or, or just sent on their way in this country with a court date years later that they never even show up for. So when you have any kind of even minimal experience with the actual climate and what's going on there and what it means to the residents in that area, it, it's even more sickening, and, and you just want to scream out loud. Yeah, I don't get it, Peter. You know, we were following the stories of this caravan making their way up uh, across the border and seeing those pictures of, of climbing over the fences and hearing stories of, of many of them getting access into the country. It makes me wonder, these people have been known to be on their way up, up here. Obviously, we have a constant battle at the border uh, from drug smugglers, human traffickers, and uh, immigrants trying to get in the country. But we have had the National Guard uh, called down there, 2,000 extra people to help assist Border Patrol agents. How come they can't keep, especially track and keep these caravan, uh, members of this caravan out? I don't understand why they're not met at the border We've been seeing reports all last week of, you know, they're one day away, they're two days away, they're ten hours away, and the locations of where they're going. Why can't we put mm-hmm. enough personnel down there to turn them around? Why is anybody well, what, getting across the border? I think one of the problems is, and this has become apparent to me as I've tried to watch this coverage very closely, including on television, because that's where you might get an actual look at, at maybe at what's going on there filtered through the mainstream media, and in particular CNN has been covering uh, this caravan apparently most of the way. They've had reporters there. They've been doing live reports. And now they're at the border doing live reports. And, of course, they're acting like advocates mm-hmm. for these people. They're acting like uh, attorneys advising them and, and you know, preparing the way for them to cross. And, and God forbid if anybody says, no, you can't cross or you have no right to cross, well, then they're the evil person. I mean... Again, everything is upside down in real time. And if anything shines a clearer light on the correctness of what President Trump, the, the platform he ran on to secure the water, the, the border, to build the wall, and to deport them all, this really proves the point. And I just hope that Americans like us, patriotic, conservative, God-fearing, law-abiding, Americans vote this November because if we don't, there's nothing going to stop these hordes. There's virtually nothing stopping them now. If we can get, and not that I'm a shill for the Republicans, but the lesser of two evils this November is anybody with an R after their name because the Democrats are socialists and communists now. And if they're in there, they're going to finish the job and this country will be completely unrecognizable. It was unrecognizable Saturday night in a performance broadcast on live television before the most elite audience you could imagine in Washington, D.C. And it was something in that 20 minutes that we've never seen before in the history of this country going out live, not only to this country, but all over the world. It, it was a criminal performance, in my opinion. And instead of being called to account, this woman is, is going to have her career turbocharged now. So that's, that's where this country is at. The last thing we have left is to vote. Vote in November and vote correctly or we're finished. Peter Barry Chaka on 
fire. Follow Peter <laughs> at Pete Schauke on Twitter. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know something? Uh, my oldest daughter is, uh, that age. And I could still put a bar of soap in her mouth. I'm serious. What a sad performance that is, that was. And, and what a sorry excuse of a human being she is, in my view. And again, the, 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 uh, audience response. Yeah. I mean, maybe not all of them were applauding or laughing, but, Enough of them were that, uh, I mean, if she had gotten tepid applause or laughter, that would have been obvious. So I would estimate that well more than one half of that sick audience there was approving of her performance. And it was only after, and, and in fact, only literally a handful of people walked out. I've heard two names of people who walked out that work, uh, one of them who works for President Trump and her husband. Michelle Schlapp and, uh, Schlapp and her husband. And other than that, I haven't been able, I've been reading article after article, I haven't seen names or accounts of anybody else who actually walked out of there. Well, if anybody had any any sensibility at all, the whole place would have emptied out when that frightful person was, was doing her act. Well, I mean, look at Kathy Griffin. Uh, my goodness, you know, <laughs> that tasteless wench. And you got this in this one. And we haven't seen the end yet. No. I mean, we have, where is it going to go from here? It's only going downhill. It's not going to suddenly reverse course and go back to a place of, of grace and taste and wholesomeness. I was looking at a, a list of the entertainers. This dinner at the Washington Press, White House Press Association has been going on for decades. And there's a list online of all of the entertainers who've ever performed at it. You know, they used to have people like Bob Hope, Jay Leno, uh, Danny Thomas, and Marlo Thomas. Can you imagine? And look at what it has fallen to. I mean, in, in previous years, you know, recently, it's been right on the borderline of, of tasteless. But Saturday night, it just blew out any any last vestige of taste. And it was a race to the bottom, and it was approved of until many of those who attended went home or started consulting their, reading their Twitter feeds, and they said, oh, gee, a few people had a problem with this. Maybe we better dial it back a little and not be too enthusiastic that a star was born. But, you know, in their heart of hearts, they think a star was born that night. Hmm. And we'll see. Her star is going to rise. That's my prediction. It's a sad state. Is it, you know the abortion joke? Uh, really, that that was one of the most distasteful things I've ever seen. And uh, it's yeah. evil. Yeah, it, it is. Man, incredible. That's the only word for it. They're evil. They're the whole group of them there. So hmm. there's the swamp that was encapsulated in that evening. Was a a perfect visual and oral representation of the swamp in Washington, as well as the shadow government and the deep state. There it is. We have to uh, get those people out of there through legal means, through the ballot box, and take power. And if we don't, they're going to retake power. Do, so. do you see that happening? I mean, Peter, um, if it doesn't happen at the ballot box... I'm, I'm looking, I'm afraid it's, it's gonna be at the ammo box. You know? Well, exactly. In fact, the, 
the favorite article of all that I read in the past week by Victor Davis Hanson. This came out April 24th in National Review. I guess that was last Tuesday. It was titled, Revolution and Worse to Come. Let me just quote three lines. Victor Davis Hanson. We are entering revolutionary times. The law is no longer equally applied. The media are the ministry of truth. The Democratic Party is a revolutionary force, and it is all getting scary. End quote. Victor Davis Hanson, a brilliant historian, professor, senior fellow at the Hoover Institute, prolific author of articles and books, and he's scared. And he's not given to conspiracy theories or hot-headedness. He's a very even-tempered person, and he wrote what is a scary article, noting in the last word of it, last words of it, that he is scared. So, yes, we have the ballot box, and if it doesn't work there, I think all bets are off, unfortunately. Um, can I comment on the uh, the two articles that I uploaded today? Please, man, I, you're on fire with those too. Yeah, let's do it. Well, the first one, the one I uh, well, let me do this one first. It, it, last well, last week in general, uh, I was alternating between out of control despair and anger, and the need to try to get it into print, and also looking forward to this hour tonight to to uh, finally rant and share the information. But on Thursday, it came to a head for me because I was up for almost all of Thursday. And it's like every hour on Thursday, April 26th, there was another breaking story. And if not for the, all the other stories, each one of those stories could have been the wraparound total story of that day, but there were so many that there were just a whole laundry list of them by the time I got to the end of the day. So I just made a list of them. By the way, I forgot to include, and I would have added this if I had more clarity of mind, uh, Diamond and Silk's testimony before the Congress on Thursday, April 26th, although that didn't get very much coverage, and I was mainly going by what I saw in the mainstream media and on Fox News that day, but I would certainly put them on the list. And another thing I did not add was the updates in the baby Alfie Evans case, the infant in the United Kingdom who at that point Thursday was still alive with a serious neurological disease, but who had been disconnected from life support by the socialist communist national health care system in England in a situation, a case which was so reminiscent of the baby Charlie Gard case last summer, which we covered extensively here and which I wrote uh, more than a half dozen articles on. And maybe for that reason, I didn't want to get too much into this case because it, it, it really is almost too much to handle. It unfortunately goes on all the time in England and to actually an extent here in the United States, if truth be known. And it's another reason we have to stop the march forward of socialism. But that I didn't add to the list. But the other eight stories, just to quickly run them down. First one in the morning was the news that the Rear Admiral Ronnie Jackson, M.D., uh, President Trump's personal physician, and before him, President Obama and President Bush the Younger, he had withdrawn his nomination uh, to become the VA secretary, having been nominated by President Trump, following what appeared to be completely false 
scurrilous accusations, mainly at the hand of Democrat Senator from Montana, John Tester. And as President Trump said, when the truth finally came out, unfortunately too late to save the nomination of Rear Admiral Jackson, that Senator Tester should really resign. He's such a despicable character for what he has done then and otherwise in his career. And if he doesn't resign, let's hope that he's defeated because he's up for re-election in Montana this November. And I've never understood how the people of Montana, supposedly a God-fearing, traditional, conservative state, could have elected that jackass to begin with. Whenever I see that fat slob, I, I, I well... He's got to be voted out. Let's hope he's out of there. Number two on my list, uh, President Trump on Thursday morning gave a half-hour live phone interview with his favorite morning show, Fox and Friends. And this was absolutely brilliant. He was hot. He was angry. He was on fire. And when I got the transcript of it, it ran over 6,000 words. And he did most of the talking, which meant that he was talking about twice the normal speed that someone would talk, because usually you can get about 3,000 words in a half hour. He managed to get 6,000 in. And, of course, he was mocked by the mainstream media for being unhinged or looking like he was unbalanced, or can you imagine he has his finger on the nuclear trigger when he talked like that on Fox this morning? I thought it was a really brilliant performance, as was his speech uh, the other night, uh, in, in the Midwest at the same time that this ridiculous Washington, D.C. event was going on. So that was really a newsworthy event, and it made news. President Trump's uh, interview with, uh, but it was really a monologue, mainly with the three co-hosts of Fox and Friends. Number three, CIA Director Mike Pompeo was approved in the Senate by a comfortable vote of 57 to 42 and was immediately sworn in, and now he's over in Israel and apparently is... Uh, part of the consultations that led to the unveiling today of the incredible news there uh, announced by uh, Bibi Netanyahu with the uh, 100,000, what is it, pages of documents that have been purloined from Iran showing finally that they do have uh, a nuclear program, that the, the deal with them that Obama pushed through, which wasn't even the, the treaty, which was unconstitutional because it wasn't even voted on by the Senate, was an absolute disaster. So thank God that Mike Pompeo is now Secretary of State. Uh, the news from the Korean Peninsula that day, that was the day that Kim Jong-un, for the first time in history, a dictator from North Korea, crossed the border to the south, spent two days there, and in all the photo ops and everything reported, it looks like a promising beginning, we can hope, to even broader and larger negotiations to follow, which will obviously include President Trump if things go correctly, so we can keep our fingers crossed there. At least it's something happening, unlike the last 25 years when nothing happened except that North Korea was allowed to move forward unimpeded with its nuclear and rocket plans, and look at how far they've gone down that road. Now, if if, if uh, Kim Jong-un is to be believed, he's willing to... Uh, maybe negotiate that down. Seriously, we shall see. But the Bill Cosby uh, convicted verdict came in that day. And really, on any other news day, that would have been the story, which would have, it would have been commercial free. The news channels would have been commercial free, is my analysis 
when the Cosby verdict came down, if not for all of these other stories. But uh, looks like he's going to be going to jail. Uh, number six, former FBI Director James Comey finally had an interview with, or, or an interviewer with some teeth. That is Brett Baer when he showed up. Comey showed up late for his appointment on the uh, daily Fox News 6 p.m. news hour. He was about 12 minutes late, but um, he had some tough questions asked to him by Brett Baer. And I believe it was during that interview in which he uh, said that he isn't that the one where he said he didn't um, he didn't feel it was important that the dossier was paid for by the Democrats and Hillary. Yeah, Clinton. he didn't care. He knew it was political in nature, but didn't know right. from where he said and said it wasn't and, important. And that was his excuse for not telling President Trump in that famous meeting they had at Trump Tower in January of 2017. Uh, the origin of the dossier, and I think he even said he didn't even use the word dossier at that point. So that put a lot. That that was another news-making interview. So Fox had two really good hits, Fox News Channel that day. For the people out there who continue to say, "Oh, why are you paying any attention to Fox News?" Well, that's why, because their journalists, their journalists made really important news that day. They gave a an open forum to President Trump like no place else would do, and they got James Comey on the record finally with a tough interview. Uh, after that, later that evening, the 49 pages of so-called missing texts uh, of between Peter Strzok and his girlfriend at the time, Lisa Page, were released, but of course that represented only a drop in the bucket of the 50,000, however many are left, that haven't been released and they were seriously redacted, so that really didn't amount to very much, although it was an important story. And then uh, last but not least on my list, and by the way, these are all outlined in somewhat more detail and with links to primary sources at the article of mine currently at hagmanreport.com. And the last on my list there was the allegations that came out late in the day against, of all people, Tom Brokaw, one of the leading lights of 20th, late 20th century mainstream media journalism and then bridging into the 21st century because he's still at age 78, has an important on-air role to play at, NB, at NBC and MSNBC on occasion. But out of the woodwork came Linda Vester, who is now a 52-year-old 52, 52 woman, when she was in her 20s and working for NBC as an up-and-coming and very attractive anchor and reporter, uh, she claims now on the record and on video, she did a video with Variety, which broke the story along with the Washington Post, she claims that she was uh, basically sexually uh, harassed and assaulted by uh, Tom Brokaw in the mid-1990s, and uh, she was... Uh, able to get out of his clutches, she claims, but has PTSD to this day. She left NBC in 1999 and went to work for Fox News, of all places, left there in 2006 in order to raise her family. And by the way, I can attest to the fact that uh, she is indeed, or certainly was in that period, still is, a very attractive young woman. In uh, 2003, December, I attended a live program that she was hosting at the time. It was called Dayside, 
at the studios of Fox News in New York, and they had a small live studio audience. And I got a ticket, attended it, and uh, at several points was just a few feet away from her, and she was a dazzlingly attractive, beautiful young woman. So, uh, you know, one could uh, understand how somebody like Tom Brokaw <laughs> would maybe want to put the moves on her. So I don't know where the yeah. truth lies in this. Yeah, but, but, uh, but don't you, are, are, you know what? I'm a little bit concerned about this Me Too movement. I, I don't know. I, I see, you know, back in the day, Peter, and I'm not excusing this behavior from anyone, but, you know, women used to say, well, you know, they used to call it flirting, I suppose. And I'm not talking about aggressive attack-like behavior or predatory behavior. Right. But I'm but seeing, that's the line that's man, blurred. I am seeing a lot of uh, questionable accusations here uh, against people. Yeah. And I, and I well, think even, even the Bill Cosby case, now, none of us was, at, was in the courtroom or on the jury, so we didn't see or hear the evidence. But from what I read about that trial... Uh, there seemed to be more than a few holes in the prosecution's case. Now, again, I wasn't there, and I'm not questioning the judgment of the jury that heard the case, but, you know, these are difficult cases, to, I think, to prove when they're so old as well. Now, in the case of Linda Vester, she offered very compelling, many people say convincing testimony in her video statement that was released by Variety, which she taped just recently, but... Certainly, I would hope that Tom Brokaw or anyone else would have his day in court, so to speak, whether it's an investigation, not a formal court, or something that will really be able to evaluate this. Because I don't, I'm not comfortable either with this rush to judgment we've got going on now, and I think it can easily be turned in a very bad direction, and may have already uh, done so. You know, at the behest of people with a tremendous axe to grind here. So we definitely have to put the brakes on to some extent and let the legal system, uh, you know, try to make its case when it's warranted. Exactly. Exactly. So in the final analysis today, uh, this is the start of a new week. It's the start of a new month tomorrow. Where, where do you? May uh, Day. Yeah, May, May Day. Day. That's right. Um, where are you looking or what are you looking at specifically? Where are you putting your sights? You know, kind of, I mean, there's so much going on. Well, just to touch briefly on the other article, just in a moment, which was about Sean Hannity, and that's actually something I'm following up on, and I'm still very, very concerned about, and I'm I'm tapping into my primary sources at the highest level, and I don't have to hide the fact that one of my sources is Sean Hannity himself. I was in touch with him uh, earlier today, as well as over the weekend, and most of it is confidential. However, he gives me very interesting leads and information, as well as other people do inside of Fox News. And he is once again in the crosshairs of his enemies. Uh, last Monday, when we were last together, the story had just broken on how The Guardian in England turned up the fact that Sean Hannity had invested $90 million of his legally earned money uh, into real estate investments. And the Guardian was trying to make some kind of case about this that, oh, this is suspicious or something because Michael Cohen, the attorney who is now under the gun, might have been involved. And then on Wednesday, of all places, the New Yorker magazine, which is left of center, the latest publication, had sent one of their reporters to a large apartment complex in Georgia 
which Sean Hannity actually owns, and they were able to figure that out by the documents that were leaked to the media by Housing and Urban Development, which is a crime in itself, but the documents were leaked, so this reporter went there, and he wrote basically uh, a, a positive profile of that investment. This was a wonderful apartment complex. The people there were happy. They had no idea, the residents, that Sean Hannity owned the place, but they did not have a discouraging word about living there. They were all very pleased. And uh, the, the photographs of, of the facility, which I included in my article, which again is uploaded in a revised version at HagmanReport.com today, the, the photos tell the story. And then just yesterday, the uh, latest salvo in a different direction came from the New York Daily News and I believe also the Los Angeles Times working in tandem. And they went to another of Sean Hannity's properties, which was also very nice physically and uh, you know made a very good impression in the physical plan. But the reporter turned up some uh, disappointed residents because their rent had gone up. Well, that's because when the place, well, it was explained to me, according to my sources, that's because when the place was purchased as an investment, it was in terrible shape. It was falling apart. It hadn't been updated in years. And, and the pictures that were leaked to me of the before pictures, before the renovation, tell the story. So a lot of money was put into renovating this place. So, of course, the rent, understandably, went up a little bit when... It was newly renovated. Now, I, I don't know the truth or falsity of any of these allegations. I'm not there. I haven't been on the ground. But, you know, a lot of the media is out gunning for Sean Hannity, and he's still in the crosshairs. And I think it's almost a day-to-day -day struggle with him in terms of uh, will he uh, maintain. By the way, I was very disappointed to see that uh, Michael Weiner, who uh, entertains under the name of Michael Savage, has been savaging Sean Hannity at his website and I believe his Twitter too. He's been jumping on these critical articles on Sean Hannity and it's really sad because Sean Hannity back in the day assisted Michael Weiner slash Savage with getting his gig on WABC in New York, the number one radio station in the country and this is the kind of thanks that Sean Hannity gets from Michael Savage. So I rest my case there for the moment but you know, I, I, I just sad. have to yeah. say that in looking forward, you know, I, I, I downplay the, uh, my ability to predict the future, although sometimes I seem to be able to read the tea leaves in certain circumstances, but I would say keep a very close eye on the mainstream media. Is it going to go further off the rails? Is Fox News going to show, uh, signs of, uh, Disarray there. We had, we really don't know the future there. It's just one year ago that Bill O'Reilly got the boot. By the way, he wrote an excellent article on the very first anniversary. It was an accidental date, I think, um, of his getting the boot in which he talked about the, the title of the article was The Stalinists Are Here. I mean, this is exactly what we say when we get together, right? Our country has been taken over by Maoists and Stalinists, and Bill O'Reilly has taken a hard turn to the right since the earlier kind of mealy-mouthed no-spin days. But he had his website, uh, which you have to pay to get full access to, and although that article was free. Uh, he's doing some good reporting and writing and analysis. But 
He's gone. We'll see. Uh, Tucker Carlson is still there. He celebrated his first uh, year in the 8 o'clock slot on Fox News, so all is still secure there, although I, I read some additional reporting that Laura Ingram, at 10 o'clock, who's doing well in the ratings, has never quite recovered her advertising base from before uh, professional student activist David Hogg took her on about a, a month ago now and urged an advertiser boycott, and she has still down over 20 advertisers. She's lost about 20 advertisers, so hopefully uh, that kind of thing won't continue and, and her career won't That's be in parallel. That's quite a hit, isn't it? I mean, do, uh, yeah, well, they have about 100 total, I guess, okay. per show. So it's not, uh, it's not that, you know, at O'Reilly, when he started to lose them and they gave him the boot, he lost over half his advertisers. I think he lost over 50. So it hasn't reached critical mass yet and hopefully it's stabilized. But, you know, I've got my eye on what's happening there. And also, of course, on the big picture. I mean, every day, uh, this, well, what's happening in, with, with the caravan, because I have an interest in that part of the country. California was always my favorite state and Southern California and the San Diego area in particular. And, uh, and even the Tijuana area, my, my memory goes so far back that Tijuana and Playas de Tijuana, Tijuana Beach used to be a wonderful community that actually felt safer than the United States at that time mm. 20 or 30 years ago. I mean, those days are gone mm. forever now. But you know, I'm interested in what's going on there. And, you know, I'm interested in pretty much everything that I see happening and trying to keep up with uh, as much of it as I can in the hours that are available to us. You're, you're a machine. i gotta, I got to say that. What an incredible analysis just across the waterfront. Fantastic. And yeah, I'm very concerned. Um, uh, Sean Hannity in the crosshairs. Very concerned about that. I think we need to watch that very carefully because, uh, Sean is the lone voice in the wilderness. Well, I mean, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, but nonetheless, Sean is, is blazed the trail. And he takes the high road. Yeah. He doesn't get down in the muck and, and battle these, uh, idiots who are after him. And that's, that's what he's reinforcing. He usually says, Peter, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Don't even bother writing about it. But, I have to. Somebody's got to stand up and defend him. That's right. He's a good man. He's a patriot and a God-fearing man. He is. Uh, I I, I like him a lot. We like him a lot here. And um, he's got a good friend in you, Peter. So thank you so much. Peter Barry Chaka, at Pete Chaka on Twitter. Follow him. uh, Tweet out his appearances between the lines every Monday. Peter, thank you so very much, my friend. Thank you, guys. Till next week. God bless. God bless. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. My thanks to our thanks to John Robertson for arranging the fantastic interview with uh, Diamond and Silk, Tammy, um, Diamond and Silk's manager, and, uh, of course, Eric the Tech for his 18-hour days. Plus. All right. Until next time, God bless. 